Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Over the course of my career, I have seen a number of challenges to our democracy. The Russian government's effort to interfere in our election is among the most serious. And as I said on May 29th, this deserves the attention of every American. All right, so uh, Mueller back up on the Hill talking to a couple of committees today. Uh, right now, uh, speaking at uh, the House Intelligence Committee and uh, doing his thing up there. I kind of uh, think it's a waste of time. Let's be honest. It's a waste of time. Uh, This is all kabuki theater. This is all about the Democrats trying uh, to gin up something that the American public is going to latch on to and use it to to go uh, into... uh, this whole thing with the um, with the election coming up, and it's just not going to play. I'm just telling you right now, it is not going to play. I got a couple of cuts from it. Yeah, hearing earlier, I'll have cuts tomorrow from this one in the afternoon. I don't expect anything in the afternoon uh, to be any earth-shattering things uh, for us to listen to, uh, but I'll pull what I think are the most important pieces for you uh, and play it tomorrow. Uh, however, here is my feeling uh, about what was said today that is the most important things that Mueller said. Let's start with cut number two, Russ. Closed in special counsel's office in May of 2019. Have you conducted any additional interviews or obtained any new information in your role as special counsel? In the in the in the wake of the report since the since the closing of the office in May of 2019. And uh, the question was: Have you conducted any, any new interviews and any new witnesses? No. Anything? And you can confirm you're no longer special counsel, correct? I am no longer special counsel. At any time with the investigation, was your investigation curtailed or curtailed or stopped or hindered? No. Were you or your team provided any questions by members of Congress of the majority ahead of your hearing today? No. Your report states that your investigative team included 19 lawyers and approximately 40 FBI agents and analysts and accountants. Are those numbers accurate? Uh, Could you repeat that, please? 40 FBI agents, 19 lawyers, intelligence analysts, and forensic accountants. Are those numbers accurate? This was included in your report. Generally, yes. Is it also true that you issued over 2,800 subpoenas, executed nearly 500 search warrants, obtained more than 230 orders for communication records, and 50 pen registers? Uh, that went a little fast for me. Okay. In your report, I'll make this very simple. You did a lot of work, correct? Yes, that I agree. A lot of subpoenas, a lot of pen registers. A lot of subpoenas. Yes. Okay, we'll walk this really slow if we need to. A lot of search warrants. That's a... All right, a lot of search warrants, a lot of things. So you're very thorough. In your opinion, very thorough. You listed this out in your report, correct? Yes. Thank you. All right. So the bottom line is, here's what the the major question was. Uh, Did you see anything there that uh, did anybody try to curtail or hinder 
your probe, because that's always been one of the big things the Democrats have said. Trump administration tried to curtail, they tried to hinder the probe. What did Mueller just say? No. And all the uh, congressman was doing in adding in all that other stuff is to say, hey, they had all these lawyers, they had all these subpoenas, they had all these search warrants, and you found nothing. And were not tried to be curtailed from the investigation you were doing. All right. Can we finally put that to bed? Probably not because the Democrats are going to continue to keep riding this thing. Just know that that's going to happen. Let's understand why they're doing this. Understand that the Democrats think that this is Watergate 2.0. They're living back in the 70s. So we've got Watergate 2.0 going here. Except this is not Watergate 2.0. There's nothing here to continue or to investigate. All these hearings and all the things that went on weren't necessary. It was a waste of our money uh, that that they've done. Now, why are they having these hearings this time? It's in the middle of the summer. You know, people typically don't watch that much TV during the summer. They're... Their ingestion of television goes down significantly. They got more important things to do. I'll tell you, over in Cabot, just by living on Highway 5, on uh, that road, I can tell you how many people are going to Heber Springs every day, going up to the lake, spending time with their family, doing things with their family, getting out on the lake in their boats, getting out in the lake uh, in their swimsuits, going out and doing fishing. Whatever it is that they're doing, they're going up, floating the, you know, the, the rivers up there, visiting up there, going to the different shops up to the north. Bottom line, people aren't watching television. And what they're hoping, uh, the Dems are, is to say, look, all the people are going to come and watch television now because this is really, 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 really important. Folks, when Watergate broke and they had people watching at the yin-yang during the summer, uh, it was because there was some serious, serious things that were going on. Seriousness in that you had a president that was lying to the American people about a lot of different things. So, when you think about that, Uh, you would expect what the Democrats would expect is that there would be millions of new viewers on television here over today to watch this. I can tell you right now that's not happening. All right, so let's go. What was the other question? What was the other major question uh, during that time uh, that they, they did all of this? First one was, was the president hindering or curtailing the investigation? Number two, that Trump, and his administration colluded with the Russians in a conspiracy to get the 2016 election thrown. Mueller, well, let him tell you in his own words. Cut three. At any time with the investigation, was your investigation curtailed or, curtailed or stopped or hindered? Uh, no. Were you or your team provided any questions by members of Congress of the majority ahead of your hearing today? No. Your report states that your investigative team included 19 lawyers and approximately 40 FBI agents and analysts and accountants. Are those numbers accurate? Uh, Could you repeat that, please? 40 FBI agents, 19 lawyers, intelligence analysts, and forensic accountants. Are those numbers accurate? 
This was generally, included in yes. your report? Generally, yes. Is it also true that you issued over 2,800 subpoenas, executed nearly 500 search warrants, obtained more than 230 orders for communication records, and 50 pen registers? Uh, that went a little fast for me. Okay. In your report, I'll make this very simple. You did a lot of work, correct? Yes, that I agree. A lot of subpoenas, a lot of pen registers? A lot of subpoenas. Yes. Okay, we'll walk this really slow if we need to. A lot of to. search warrants. All right, a lot of search warrants, a lot of things. So you're very thorough. In your opinion, very thorough. You listed this yes. out in your yes. report, correct? Yes. Thank you. Is it true the evidence gathered during your investigation, uh, given the questions that you have just answered, is it true the evidence gathered during your investigation did not establish that the president was involved in the underlying crime related to Russian election interference as stated in volume one, page seven? We found uh, insufficient uh, evidence of uh, uh, the president's culp culpability uh, so that would be a yes. Without, I'm pardon. That would be a yes. Yes. That's, thank you. Isn't it true the evidence did not establish that the president or those close to him were involved in the charged Russian computer hacking or active measure conspiracies or that the president otherwise had unlawful relationships with any Russian official? Volume 2, page 76. Correct? I uh, leave the answer to the uh, our report. So a yes. Is that any true? Your investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with Russian government in the election interference activity. Volume 1, page 2. Volume 1, page 173. Thank you. Yes. Yes, thank you. Have we settled it yet, Russ, do you think? Sounds pretty close to me. Yeah, well, it sounds to me that there was no, no collusion, no culpability. So I'm saying that the president was innocent of that charge. But you didn't say in your report that he wasn't culpable of anything. <laughs> yeah. If, just because you said he didn't do it doesn't mean that he didn't do it. <laughs> it's like what we were talking about the other day when you say something racist. Just because you didn't say that he didn't that's do it right. doesn't mean there you go. that they, he didn't do it. It's like, being, it's, it's like we, Robert and I were talking. We'll talk about this in the 5 o'clock hour. It's, it's like when the, the left says to me, you're a racist. I go, no, I'm not a racist. Well, because you said you're not a racist proves that you're a racist. There's there's nothing you can do to convince these people. So Once just again, expect you to hear more of it. It's a catch-22. That's exactly what it is. Well, even, and I'm going to play Comey just because he talked about Mueller. This is cut number seven, just so you know, Russ. And, and, and Comey was talking about Mueller, and here's what he said. Well, the first volume focuses on that Russian interference. And to my mind, the most important finding of the special counsel is that there was a long series of contacts between people associated with the Trump campaign and Russians. And the two of those contacts are particularly troubling. One, his foreign policy advisor talking to someone who was representing the Russians about the prospect of them weaponizing dirt they had on Hillary Clinton in the form of emails. And second, that the senior campaign team took a meeting at Trump Tower in June of 2016 that they were told in writing was part of Russia and its government's efforts to help Mr. Trump. Those are two things that I think will surprise a lot of people who have just listened to the attorney general and the president and who haven't read the report. And I think a lot of the public is, um, if, if you're a hardened Trump supporter, you may be comforted by the fact that no criminal conspiracy was charged. If you're on the other side, you may be troubled by it. But if you're somewhere in the middle, you may simply be confused by it. What did the report find when it came to the question of collusion, contact, coordination with Russians? 
First, the special counsel said this investigation is not about collusion. That's not a thing except in political rhetoric. He examined the evidence to see if there was sufficient evidence to charge any Americans with being part of the Russian attack on our election in 2016. And to my mind, it's good news. He concluded there wasn't sufficient evidence to charge somebody with a crime. All right, that's okay. all. Yeah, this is not fine. a criminal that's proceeding tomorrow. See. This is about... Check it out. Check that out. Okay, because he's going to go on now and try to uh, window dress that a little bit. Bottom line, it concluded there wasn't sufficient evidence to charge somebody with a crime. If you're up for, uh, you know, you've been working with the Russian government and they say there's no evidence to show that anybody did that. What's the terminology that we use us sitting out here in the hitherland that we typically say not guilty not guilty if you listen to comey he oh god he wants it so bad can't you just tell that russ as you listen to him he wants this well there were two things that really 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 bothered me that meeting in trump towers and the guy meeting with over there and they're saying they got dirt on hillary clinton and blah 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 but now remember what the word but does it wipes away everything that has been said before it. But the special counsel, Mueller, quote, concluded, and this is Comey's own words, concluded there wasn't sufficient evidence to charge somebody with a crime, period. Comey, shut your pie hole. I don't care what you think. All right, break, come back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so right now Congressman Adam Schiff is uh, questioning Comey, and and here here's what he's doing now. He's asking Comey a series of questions. You're saying there was no criminal malfeasance here? No. You're saying that no one was uh, guilty of or there was anything sufficient, no evidence to charge anybody with a crime? No, that's correct. That's what we, we came up with. Okay, could I just ask that if if someone was uh, colluding with the Russians, would that be, uh, in your estimation, unethical? And he goes on, the, and, and now it's, it's all, let me ask you these questions that may or may not happen. Would you think that they're, un, it, it's, you know, it's... Um, doing hyperbole that's what they're doing now and 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 they're asking questions that are open-ended of yes and no answers where a person listening could say okay i understand that but uh, and and yeah the, if the if the president did that or if one of his administration uh, people did that problem is they haven't shown that they did any of it they're they're throwing all of this out this is this is smoke and mirrors now, totally. I always refer to this stuff as a kabuki dance, and the reason it's the way it is is that the uh, the Democrats are trying to make you think something is going on that isn't going on. That's exactly what they and they've been doing this now for decades. This is the way uh, they have worked on all of this. Okay, so I. I 
went through and picked up some more stuff from today. Let's start off with uh, A.G. Barr. Uh, the attorney general, um, you know, it was said that uh, the uh, you got the special counsel showing up. That's Mueller. And that uh, he was told he couldn't speak about things. This was the administration trying to put the, the gag in his mouth, so to speak. Well, let's let's ex, ex, you know examine that and see exactly what happened. Was it the DOJ that got a hold of Mueller, or did somebody else on Mueller's uh, account get a, in touch with the DOJ? Here is the Attorney General Barr himself talking about this. Well, as you know, at his press conference. Uh, Bob had said that he intended to stick with the public report and not go beyond that. And in conversations with the department, uh, his staff was reiterating that that was their position. And they asked us for guidance in writing uh, to uh, to explain uh, or to tell them what our position was. So we responded in writing. The department sent the guidance they had requested. Okay. So Mueller's people... Got in touch with uh, Barr's people and said, okay, we're not going to talk about anything outside of the report. The report stands and and sits on its own. So my answers are all in the report. So I don't want to talk about anything else besides what is in the report. Uh, can you guys give us some guidance on that? And that's what they did. It wasn't the DOJ uh, on their own coming up. And saying, uh, Mueller, remember, you can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. You better not say anything about this. You better not go there. You better not, you know, take us over here. That wasn't the case at all. The case was they were clarifying for Mueller under the legalities of an investigation like this what he could and could not talk about. All right, so don't think there's something sinister there that they sent that letter because there is nothing sinister. Uh, That was basically business as usual, business that, uh, you know, the the special prosecutor wanted to make sure that nothing came back and, you know, no mud splattered back on him. I'm talking about the report. That's all I'm going to do. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, you tell me now. Is what I'm doing the right way to go about doing this? Yes, it is. Period. There you go. All right. So, uh, what are people thinking about all of this up in uh, in Washington? We'll get to that in just a second. I think McConnell said it best, and we'll let you hear about that. He was asked about the Mueller hearing, and uh, the same thing with Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham had something to say about the Mueller hearing as well, uh, which I appreciated what he had to say and saying basically what I'm thinking. This is not... Look, ABC, uh, I checked them out a little bit earlier today, and they were doing their best to try to drum up impeachment hearings. I mean, seriously, they were trying... They were talking about, this is is what the the Democrats... This is their best chance, their best opportunity to get the president, to be able to go out and... And and get the necessary and, and impeach him, blah 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 blah. If this is the best that they got, they got nothing. I mean, seriously, the bottom line is they have nothing. 
The second Mueller hearing has now wrapped up on Capitol Hill. Everybody's walking out. Media looking down at the floor, which tells you ain't nothing here to report. Just telling you, you'll report, but it's the same stuff you've been reporting all the time. All right, let's get to the news, and then we'll be back with more. Papadopoulos tells a diplomat Russians have dirt on Clinton. Diplomat tells the FBI. What I'm wondering is, who told Papadopoulos? How'd he find out? I can't get into the evidentiary file. Yes, you can, because you wrote about it. You gave us the answer. Page 192 of the report, you tell us who told him. Joseph Nifson. Joseph Nifson's a guy who told Papadopoulos. The mysterious professor who lives in Rome and London, works and teaches in two different universities. This is the guy who told Papadopoulos. He's the guy who starts it all. And when the FBI interviews him, he lies three times. And yet you don't charge him with a crime. You charge Rick Gates for false statements. You charge Paul Manafort for false statements. You charge Michael Cohen with false statements. You charge Michael Flynn, a three-star general, with false statements. But the guy who puts the country through this whole saga starts it all for three years we've lived this now. He lies. And you guys don't charge him. And I'm curious as to why. Well, I we can't get into it, and, uh, and it's obvious, I think, that we can't get into charging decisions. When the FBI interviewed him in February, FBI interviews him in February, when the special counsel's office interviewed Mifsud, did he lie to you guys, too? Can't get into that. Did you interview Mifsud? Can't get into that. Is Mifsud Western intelligence can't or Russian intelligence? Can't get into that. A lot of things you can't get into. What's interesting, you can charge 13 Russians no one's ever heard of, no one's ever seen, No one's ever going to hear of him. No one's ever going to see him. You can charge them. You can charge all kinds of people who are around the president with false statements. But the guy who launches every, the guy who puts this whole story in motion, you can't charge him. I think that's amazing. I'm not certain I I, I agree with your characterizations. Well, I'm reading from your report. Mifsud told Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos tells the diplomat. The diplomat tells the FBI. The FBI opens the investigation July 31st, 2016. And here we are three years later, July of 2019. The country's been put through this. And the central figure who launches it all lies to us. And you guys don't hunt him down and interview him again. And you don't charge him with a crime. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. The president was falsely accused of conspiracy. The FBI does a 10-month investigation, and James Comey, when we deposed him a year ago, told us at that point they had nothing. You do a 22-month investigation. At the end of that 22 months, you find no conspiracy. And what's the Democrats want to do? They want to keep investigating. They want to keep going. Maybe a better course of action, maybe a better course of action is to figure out how the false accusation started. Maybe it's to go back and actually figure out why Joseph Nipson was lying to the FBI. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. That's exactly what Bill Barr is doing. And thank goodness for that. That's exactly what the Attorney General and John Durham are doing. They're going to find out why we went through this three-year, Time three-year of the saga and get to the bottom of it. Time of the gentleman has expired. Woo! Woo! That was good. Although I will say that one segment where you're saying, well, it just followed us. This guy said it to this guy, and that guy said it to this guy, and this guy said it over to this guy. It sounded like he's doing who's on first political style or whatever. It was That was pretty funny as far as that was concerned. But the whole 10-month study by the FBI, nothing. 22-month study by you, nothing. And what do the Democrats want to do? They want to keep, you know, studying. 
<laughs> that was really good. That you was good. don't count. Your opinion doesn't count. Your investigation doesn't count. So we're going to continue. Yeah. Until we get you lying. And then what? We're going to just keep we're going as until the election's over. See, they're going to keep going, Russ, until the election is over next November and they're out of power completely in the House, the Senate, and in the White House again. And they'll have to stop because we'll take over all the committees again. Yeah. If you voted for Democrats to put them into uh, congressional positions, you're getting what you voted for. Luckily, people. Yeah. Luckily, here in Arkansas, we're no part of this. All right. We voted all Republicans. Was Cotton not on that committee? I think he is on the committee. I mean, he's there only because you got to show up. No, he's not on that committee. That's the House committee. That's not the Senate committee. Oh, okay. All right. So bottom line is, you know, congratulations to our Arkansas voters because they understood. We didn't want to put the Democrats in charge of the House again, though they got in charge of the House again. The bottom line is because of this kind of stuff. You're going to hear this. And we're hearing from the squad all the time. So after you heard that, Mitch McConnell today was stopped in a hallway or something, and somebody asked him about what he thought of the Mueller hearing. Cut number four, here's what he said. It seems to me, I don't know how many times we want to see this movie again, but uh, (laughs) I I think the American people have moved on past this. Yeah, I, I agree with him. Democrats think that they're going to have these huge bumps on television. Ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Maybe you should put it on. Try to put it on Netflix. I don't know. I have no idea. But the Michael Moore line, make a documentary out of it. Yeah, before he it's can. Over with. Yeah, sure. He, he could do that. I like that. I don't know how many times we want to see this movie again. I think the American people have moved on. I agree with that. And then Senator Lindsey Graham asked about the Mueller hearing. Here's what he had to say. It won't reshape my dynamic. I've heard all I need to hear from Mueller. I've read his report. I accept the findings. I don't think it's going to change public opinion. Having been involved in the Clinton impeachment, if the public's not with you, you'll pay a price. And I don't think anything Mueller can say that's going to change anybody's mind. There you go. Bottom line. Did it did it get did you watch any of it, Russ? I didn't watch it. I listened to the some of the first half of it. I was up here doing some work and was recording it. So how how long ago was it that Mueller was in front of the press uh, with the report and in going over the report after it had been released? It was, in May. was it in May? So we're looking at two months, right? Maybe three. Yeah. Let's say three. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Say three. May, June, July. Does it sound like he is aged to you over that time? He's sounded pretty stinking old. Wow. I mean, seriously. He could, you know, he couldn't, he didn't even know what they were talking about when they asked him about that GPS report. That has been a huge, I mean, that's like a major part of the report, and he couldn't remember. That's worrisome. That really was worrisome. Uh, you know, talking about the Fusion GPS report. The other thing that he said, and this was, he said, I'm not familiar with that because it was outside my preview, my purview. In other words, I turned it over to other guys and they, they, they tore it apart and looked at it upside down and, you know, right way, backwards, forwards, like a diamond to every facet they could. They found nothing there. So I just accept for what they did. My favorite part, and I, I, I should have played this part, but I didn't. Uh, when they asked Mueller about Peter uh, Strzok and his hatred for Trump, he says, well, you know what? I didn't know that he hated Trump that bad when I hired him. 
<laughs> so you think that you might, when you bring a, a lawyer on on for an a uh, investigation into a an individual and their administration, one of the questions you might have is, so what do you think of the president? Do you think that you might? I'm thinking that's something you might want to ask, you know? And, uh, you know, the guy says, I can't stand him, I hate him, blah, blah, I think he should be behind bars. You might, just might, not put him on your team. Just my thoughts on that. Just my thoughts on that. All right, so the BDS movement, uh, Rashida Talab is out there trying to get that picked up by the folks in in Congress. And uh, I, I just wanted to play this uh, for you. She compares uh, the BDS movement. What is it with the Democrats that they're, they're, they want to elicit the Nazis all the time? I mean, they, they do. They bring them up all the time, no matter— if if you're not a Democrat and you know you're not with them, you're a Nazi. There's just no doubt about it. Here's here's Talib uh, talking about the uh, BDS movement. Americans of conscience have long and proud history of participating in boycotts, specifically to advocate for human rights abroad. Americans boycotted Nazi Germany in response to dehumanization, imprisonment, and genocide of Jewish people. In the 1980s, many of us in this very body boycotted South African goods in the fight against apartheid. Our, free, our right to free speech is being threatened with this resolution. It sets a dangerous precedent because it attempts to delegitimize a certain people's political speech and to send a message that our government can and will take action against speech it doesn't like. Madam Speaker, the Supreme Court has time and time again recognized that expressive conduct is protected by the Constitution. From burning a flag to baking a cake, efforts to restrict and target that protected speech run the risk of eroding the civil rights that form the foundation of our democracy. All Americans have the right to participate in boycotts, and I oppose all legislative efforts that target speech. I urge Congress, state governments, and civil rights leaders from all communities to preserve our Constitution, preserve our Bill of Rights, and preserve the First Amendment's guarantee of freedom of speech by opposing H.R.E.S. 246 and the boycott, anti-boycott efforts wherever they rise. Yeah, you know, we need to kind of remember, this is like when we boycotted the Nazis. Okay, so... Are you telling me, uh, Congresswoman Tlaib, that in Israel somewhere there's concentration camps and they are, you know, they're burning people alive uh, there. They're gassing them. Uh, they're burying Palestinians in mass graves. It's, it's incredible. The woman is incredible. By the way, just got a, uh, a text this is a text from the president saying Mueller just testified Dem- Dems can't accept that I did nothing wrong in the witch hunt, period. All right, let's get a break in. Last break for this hour. Coming up in the next hour, 
Uh, we have uh, Dr. Sherry Smith. She's going to be joining us from Harding University. She's the Chair of Teacher Preparation, Director of Degree Completion in Elementary Education. She's going to come in and, and talk a little bit about degree completion programs they have at Harding. Uh, you might want to be listening to that if you're looking to get into the teaching profession. Maybe you were thinking about it, but then decided to do something else, and now maybe you want to go back and be a teacher. Well, we'll tell you all about that. Uh, we've got Congressman French Hill. He's supposed to be coming up at the bottom of the hour and joining us uh, for about 25 minutes. Talk to us what's going on in D.C. We'll talk about this specifically. Uh, the hearing's going on today. Not, look, nothing's happening in the House side right now. It's all Kabuki Theater's day today. And then uh, 4 o'clock, Duck, or not part, Duck, but Joe will be here from Joe's Garage. 5 o'clock, uh, it will be our uh, legal professor. Of course, that is Robert Steinbach from over at the uh, School of Law at UALR. And he and I will talk about uh, Mueller's testimony today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So about 10 minutes until uh, 3 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, I think I've covered just about all the sound that i had today that i wanted to play and yes i have okay good we got that done uh what was it uh, the president also tweeted out something about the the truth is strength and that's what basically just got got the truth uh but if you've been wondering what's happening is bottom line uh the uh, testimony of Mueller is done he has i guess gotten his his rear end away from Congress and probably happy to do it. Glad to be gone uh, from that. So that that's all finished. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Now, where was my, I got that text. What did he say? What did the president say? I'm going back and looking again. Uh, truth is a force of nature is what uh, Trump had to say. Of course, the other one that uh, I have is just coming in was uh, what he had said that, Dems need to let it go, be done with it. Uh, Miller kicked off his testimony before the House Intelligence Committee today by issuing a clarification of something he said during a moment, a a morning hearing about his decision-making process when it came to the question of whether President Trump committed obstruction of justice He raised eyebrows during an exchange with House Judiciary Committee member Congressman Ted Lieu of California. Quote, the reason that you did not indict the president is because of the OLC option that you cannot indict a sitting president. Correct, Lieu asked, referring to the Office of Legal Counsel and their long-held position against charging the president while they're in office. Correct. Mueller replied that gave the impression that if it were not for the OLC opinion, Mueller would have indicted the president in the afternoon. Mueller was quick to say that is not what he was trying to say at all. Quote, I want to add one correction to my testimony this morning. I want to go back to one thing that was said this morning by Mr. Liu, who said, and I quote, you didn't charge the president because of the OLC opinion. Uh, That's not the correct way to say it. As we say in the report, and as I've said at the opening, we did not reach a determination as to whether the president committed any crime. They found nothing to go out and get the president. 
He made it clear that he did not intend to support Lou's implication that would have indicted Trump if not for the OLC opinion. That would have meant that Mueller determined that Trump committed a crime but could not do anything about it. What Mueller meant was that the OLC opinion kept him from even deciding if an indictment would be warranted in the first place. So he wanted to clear that up completely. So I I just thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, Fox News did a poll. The poll was, uh, what do you think about Robert Mueller sitting down and testifying again for eight hours? Will this mean mean any difference uh, in how you view things? A uh, few voters expect that this uh, congressional testimony will make a difference to their views of President Trump. The latest Fox News poll finds nearly half, 49%, say there is no chance at all that something Mueller says on Capitol Hill today would change how they feel about Trump. 23% say there is only a small chance. So let's just take those two and add them together, right? 49 and 23, that is 72%. If I'm correct, 72% uh, their views would change. About one in five seem movable as they say there is a strong or some chance the testimony will change their mind. Uh, Let's see. Republicans, 52%. Democrats, 49% are more likely than independents, 38% to say there is zero chance that uh, Mueller's remarks will change their feelings about Trump. Support for impeaching Trump and removing him from office has stayed between 39 and 43% since June of 18. Currently, 42% of voters support that approach. Another 5% want him impeached but not removed, while 45% oppose impeachment all uh, together. Uh, Democrats, 74% are twice as likely as independents, nine times as likely as Republicans to support impeaching uh, the president. Said pollster Darren Shaw... If I were in Speaker Pelosi's shoes, I'd be skeptical, uh, skeptical about impeachment at this point. The data shows Americans aren't keen on impeachment and are unlikely to change their minds. Uh, Mueller's report on his investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election submitted in March resulted in no obstruction of justice charges against the president and did not find proof of a criminal conspiracy against Trump associates in Russia. Uh, By a 50 to 44% margin, which is a significant margin, I mean, you're talking 16%, that's a lot. Voters think the Trump campaign coordinated with the Russian government during the 2016 election, according to a mid-June Fox News poll. That new poll released today finds views of Trump are more negative than positive. Uh... Opinions of Mueller are more positive than negative. Wonder how they feel now after hearing him today stumbling around, couldn't even remember the GPS fusion report and all the rest. Uh, So anyway, they say they interviewed 1,004 randomly chosen registered voters nationwide who spoke with live interviewers on both landlines and cell phones. And the uh, poll has a margin of sampling error of plus or minus 3% points for all registered voters. So bottom line, I find it uh, kind of interesting that nothing, of course, they just wasted a whole day of business. A whole day of business they wasted, Russ. 
a whole day of business. They didn't do nothing, but you know that they they stopped what they were doing up there in the house, and everybody was watching it. If it had been me, I'd just gone home and put my feet up. <laughs> just saying. There ain't nothing there. It's a nothing sandwich. There ain't nothing in it. It's like eating two pieces of bread with air in it. I want to see the uh, Saturday Night Live skit <laughs> parodied uh, Nothing Burger. Yeah. Welcome to Nothing Burger. That's nothing right. Burger here. That's what it was. It was a nothing burger, nothing sandwich. There was nothing there at all. Okay, so they got a bunch of people in Puerto Rico hanging out the governor's mansion saying, resign. There's probably a couple hundred people there right Not now. Not impeach? No, they're just saying he should resign. They're, they're dancing to the uh, Calypso music that they're playing. It's pretty good. They don't have a railroad track rail out there? No, they don't. They don't have a rail. They don't have hot tar. They don't even have any feathers. It's pretty bad. All right, let's get a break. Got to do that. When we come back, don't forget that we'll welcome Dr. Sherry Smith into the studio. She's going to be talking about degree completion program at the Harding University. And she's the chair of teacher preparation, director of degree completion and elementary education. She's up next, and then we'll follow her up with uh, Congressman French Hill. All right, Rush, I just heard from, uh, uh, was it Smith, handler for uh, the congressman. They're going to be a few minutes late joining us. There's some kind of vote. I can't believe they're actually voting. I mean, with all the high drama that's mm-hmm. going on at the House today up mm-hmm. in Washington, I'm surprised that they're doing anything else but watching it. Because you knew they were going to come up with all kinds of new stuff, and we knew that the president was going to suddenly be impeached. <laughs> the gallery filled with all the rest of the House representatives. Yeah, that's it. All of them just sitting there with bated breath, <laughs> waiting for the big bomb to drop. Hey, Dr. Sherry Smith's going to join us from Harding University. Doctor, thanks for coming in to be a part of uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We, we've sure. had a series of interviews with the folks from Harding, and it's been really, really uh uh, great to see all the good things that you all have going on. You're expanding here in the state with yes. satellite places and things, and it's really good. You want to talk about, from what I understand, about completing your degree. Right, degree completion. For like people like me. Right. right. <laughs> We'd love to have you. I'm 66 years old. <laughs> I am six hours short is what I am. Six really? hours short. Yeah. Can I tell you a real quick story? Sure. I went to Moorhead State love- University, Moorhead, Kentucky. Okay. I had ta- I had a double major, double minor, double major radio, television, right, and in uh, uh, journalism, minor in philosophy and political science, and I get to the very end, and you know you sit down with one of the counselors or whatever, and they go over everything, yes. and they tell you, okay, so you walk across the stage, remember, right hand shake, <laughs> left hand diploma. Uh, they tell me you're six hours short. And I just look at them. I'm like, what are you talking about? Wow. And they said, well, you got all of the requirements from your majors and your minors, but you don't have those core classes. And I said, what core classes? (laughs) I I had a beginning writing class, and I had to take a lower science class, like, astronomy or something like that right and liberal, liberal arts yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and i just looked at them and i said <laughs> and, and what does this mean they go well you'll have to come back for one more semester and i was real quiet 
And I I took out a few loans, very few. Mm -hmm. Most of what I did is I worked in the steel mills during the summer Mm -hmm. to go to college. Mm -hmm. And I looked directly at them and I said, I'm not going to put another bleep dollar (laughs) into your pocket. Wow. I said, I took all those journalism classes and you're telling me I can't write? Wow. Yeah, that ain't going to (laughs) happen. I didn't go back. Wow. I was done. I was done. So... Can I pick up six hours? Absolutely. We would try to work that out for you. <laughs> just I'm just saying, I'll pick up six hours. I, I called them, in fact, and several of my fraternity brothers wow. now are upper echelon people there. And I called them and I, I say, hey, guys, can I get like, you know, since I've been on Talker Magazine top right. 100 talk show hosts for like 14 years in a row. Right. Maybe can, we could just do an honorary degree. Yeah, well, do I don't even want honorary. <laughs> just give me credit that you know I can write. Right, you for know? your experience. And I know where the moon is. Sure. You know, kind of thing. And uh, they go, can't do that, Dave. We, right. we, and I, I was in the military. I did wow. all the internal information for the military for the Air Force. Right. And they can't give me college credits for that. Right. And I said, you guys got to get with the program, man. <laughs> You're way behind. There's other universities that will do that. So anyway. Well... Degree completion really is for people, though, who who want to go back and finish yes. a degree. And it's a good thing. It's a great thing. And for some, some families, it would really change their lives. And so we're really passionate about it. And um, so we've had some people that have, for whatever reason, decided not that they didn't couldn't finish at the time. Um, single moms. Yeah, have, legitimate people. Yes. All right. I'm not legitimate. All right. A little bit farther than six hours. <laughs> uh, a little bit farther than six hours, but you've been very successful. So, well, but. yeah, I don't care. Right. You know, I don't need a part. You know, in my business, it ain't it ain't your degree. It's, it's right. what I do on the air it's every your talent. day. Absolutely. That's exactly right. That's what it comes down. So I don't care. It doesn't right. matter. Absolutely. It just kind of. It galls at me a little I bit. I get it. I get it. I, it would me too. I totally get that. So for these folks that maybe are, uh, let's just say they're 20 hours or a little bit more shy of, of getting their degree, is this only talking about, uh, you know, Teach, this teacher is just preparation? Te- teacher preparation. Okay. This is teacher preparation. Now we do have um, business, I think, has a degree completion or has has had one, um, but, but we specifically are talking about degree completion in education. Okay. Right. There's a big teacher shortage in Arkansas. Um, the governor's really supportive of education right well, now. You guys got a brand new uh, yes. pay raise for yes. new teachers. Brand so. new pay raise, and I there really think. is a teacher shortage. And so it's a case where you're not going to finish your degree and not get a job. The jobs are there. So we just want to encourage people who maybe have thought about going back and getting that degree. Because in the state of Arkansas, you do have to have a teaching license. Okay. And so we're trying to help people get that license to teach. So what do you have? What do you, is there a, something special you got to have for the teaching license? I mean, how many hours does that take up? Well, it it really depends. If someone comes in with an associate's degree, let's say, okay. then it would be about 60 more hours. Okay. Now, if somebody's above the 60, we, we try to be as generous as we can be to give transfer credits. So we would try to take anything that we could to come in as transfer credits. But there are certain classes that you take towards being a teacher. And so that would that would those classes would help go towards the licensure. You still have some licensure exams, but what we teach in the classes help you pass the licensure exams. Okay, so what are what are some classes that people are going to have to take if they want a teaching license? Sure. Okay. Well, I teach children's literature. 
which okay. is one of my favorite things. So they would take children's literature. They would uh, teach. They would take several classes in learning how to teach children to read. Mm-hmm. And that's a big initiative in the state of Arkansas as well. I was going to say, can you talk? Can you direct your comments to that a sure. little bit? Because you know, I have J.R. Davis, uh, the spokesman for the governor, on every week. Sure. And we have talked about that in the past, and we yes. talk about this new initiative. Ex- can you explain it a little bit? Because sure. they, they say they got the initiative, but nobody knows. <laughs> right. Or they don't say what the initiative involves. Sure. Well, it's really because um, so many um, of our students are not reading at proficient levels. Right. And so the percentages are really poor. So the state of Arkansas said, we are not going to keep doing it this way. If, if it's not working, we're going to do something different. Yeah. So they had um, a group get together. It's really more and more about dyslexia. And going back to teaching really phonics and those types of concepts that that has been here before. It's nothing brand new, but going back to foundations. Actually, we call our our course Foundations of Reading. So we're going back to really basic concepts, not so much as what used to be called whole language, like the Dick and Jane. Right. Things of that kind. Right. Okay. The Dick and Jane method. We're, we're going away from that to where students that really struggle are going to get the help they need to be successful. Okay. So we're going back to hooked on phonics. Is that right. <laughs> well, the state <laughs> could saying. actually use that uh, because it's that's really truthfully the it's not all about phonics, but I it's a real that. strong approach. Yeah. Because yes. if you've taken if you've done much in the right. English world, you know right. that words don't necessarily sound like. Right. You think they're going to. Right. And right. some students can catch on, but some can't. Mm-hmm. And so there's really a focus on uh, stronger instruction. I did that with all my kids. I did hooked on. Yeah. Did they a read lot early? of them. Yeah. yeah. They did good. Because look, I'm yeah. I'm being a, in, in the whole field of broadcasting and things. Uh, I understand about reading. Mm-hmm. I don't have to read the way I used to have to read because, right. you know, the Internet helps me a lot with that. I used to have stacks of newspapers and things and magazines that I had to read. Reading is the door to everything else. That's right. That's right. You can't read your your hamstrung. Right. It's an exciting, it's a really exciting time to be, I think, in the field of teaching uh, because of learning new ways. They're really not new ways, but Mm -hmm. going back to old foundational ways of teaching reading. Good stuff. So it's good Good stuff. stuff. Okay. So why don't you run us through your uh, completion program? What's First, I guess somebody's got to call you and ask you and tell you what they've got, what they've already done. Right. If 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 you go to Harding.edu, it's probably the easy, easiest way, and then search for degree completion. Uh, there's a web page that will come up with contact information um, because we want to put people with a person as quickly as possible so that we can see what courses a person has so mm-hmm. that we can take as many of those credits as possible. Okay. And then we make a plan for them to complete the degree. All right. Do you, so, do you need to be going to certain colleges to be able to transfer your credits? No, no it could be any college in the state. Um, okay. We do have some agreements, like we have an, uh, what we call a memorandum of understanding with Pulaski Tech, with um, NWAC in Northwest Arkansas. We have agreements with them. But even if it's a college that we don't have a formal agreement with yet, we will still accept as many credits as possible. Do you do the same so, with, with schools outside of the state? Yes, even with schools outside the state. Okay. Yes. Very cool. That's good. Okay, so yes. you know what, uh, from taking that initial information, because you got to have that in- information first. Right. How long do you think it would take to complete the program? 
Um, if you started, it would take about, t- from beginning to end, about two years. Okay. And that's including student teaching. So, um, but what we're trying to do, if, if a person is any in any type of school setting, um, we're trying to let them keep their job as long as possible. So if they're in a school setting, like say as a paraprofessional, we could keep them in that setting and they could still make money while they student teach. They wouldn't have to leave their jobs. No, that's good. So we try to do that as much as possible. Now, if someone is working outside of the education field, that's they would have, still have to do a student teaching semester. But we do try to help people stay in a school if there's any way possible. We have an agreement with North Little Rock where they have already said if we have someone in North Little Rock Public Schools, they can stay and keep their job. Oh, good. Um, because they're trying to, to keep as many people as they can in that district. So, and, and we really try to make it as individualized as possible so that because everybody's story is different. And everybody's reason for wanting to come back is different. And whether it be a single mom, a paraprofessional, someone who's just ready to do something different, All right. we like to, to meet those needs. All right. We got some more information that you can use. If you're looking to get into teaching uh, for whatever reason, uh, your degree preparation that you were doing uh, got short-circuited, but now you're ready to finish it up and move on. Keep listening. we got some good information for you from Dr. Sherry Smith from Harding University, the Chair of Teacher Preparation, Director of Degree Completion, and Elementary Education. Did you know that you have a 96% chance, that's a 96% chance, of losing $111,000 in Social Security benefits? According to new research in Bloomberg, 96% of Americans lose $111,000 in Social Security benefits because they take their benefits at the wrong time. You can learn how you can avoid that by going to uh, a workshop called Maximizing Social Security with David Lucas. You hear David Lucas here on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer, the uh, uh, workshops right here in Little Rock. Two workshops in August. Registration's 20 bucks. There's only room for 32 people, less now, because I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. If you've saved $300,000 or more, register now by calling 501-653-6690. And the, workshop, uh, the workshop's going to reveal the little-known strategies that could help you wring every nickel out of your benefits that are rightfully yours. And one of the ways to do that is to make sure that you're not going to get screwed over with the taxes when you start uh, uh, retiring, taxes at an all-time low right now in the United States. But will they be there 20, 30 years from now, or will they be higher? And do you need to do things now to take care of those tax liabilities that you're going to see in the future? Call 501-653-6690. 501-653-6690. Do that today. Our, our guest in the studio, Dr. Sherry Smith from Harding University, talking about uh, their degree completion program at Harding, this dealing in uh, teacher preparedness. Uh, Want to talk to her a little further. So you're going to have to show up, uh, give, them a, give them a call, or uh, just get on the Internet to um, education at harding.edu and uh, send them the necessary information, and they're going to tell you how many more hours you need, and then they're going to tell you how you go about and do that. And then, uh, as you heard the doctor talk earlier, uh, here in Arkansas, 
you know, we're in the hiring business when it comes to the right. teachers. You just they just got a pay raise. I think is it like thirty five, thirty six thousand dollars starting yes. pay? Yes, it's not bad for being a teacher. So uh, bottom line is that uh, you could get in there. Maybe you wanted to be a teacher. You got a little sidetracked with life, so to speak. You got right. kids or something. Now you can do it. She's going to tell you how to do it. Right. This is a good opportunity. Um, so if you contact us, then we'll let you know how, how much you lack. So we'll work out a plan for you. Mm-hmm. Classes. A lot of people don't know that Harding University actually has satellite campuses in North Little Rock and, right. in, and in the Rogers area. Um, we have really nice facilities. Classes are online, some. And then there, cool. also, there are also some face-to-face just because we feel strongly about relationship. And we feel like that sometimes it's easier to do courses online if you know some of those instructors ahead of time. And so we do we, we do both. Um, so that has worked out really well for the people that are in the program currently. Um, we have some really good videos online that kind of um, people that have been through the program that kind of give their testimonials. And if you go to harding.edu and um, search degree completion, you can find those videos. Um, there's one of a single mom who, who you know, because she's gotten her degree and because she could do it outside of the work, um, work time, she's um, gotten her degree and it's really changed her life and the life of her little boy. Okay. And then there's also evening classes. So, we know that that the people that are seeking this degree are usually going to have a, a job, and so we want to work with those people any way that we can. Yeah, so can work around their around, job right around now. their jobs, right? So yeah. that they can keep their jobs and they don't have to leave their jobs like they would if they went to a traditional um, university. Okay, so talk about education, teaching education. Mm-hmm. There's different. I mean, do you want to teach high school? Do right. you want to teach, you know, middle school, elementary right. school, or before? Right. You know, you go into traditional schooling. Right. I mean, do you guys have this broken down that way for people? We do. And we are actually only one of two universities in the state that has a birth to kindergarten program. And that there's a huge need for birth to kindergarten teachers in the state of Arkansas. Preschool, three-year-olds who need early intervention. Um, and there's also a big initiative in the state. There's grant money that will help with tuition for people who want yeah, to go into good. early education. It's a fairly new initiative, but it will be available um, to people that would sign up now. Um, so we also have we have birth to kindergarten, early childhood special education. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. And then we have elementary, which is K-6. And then we have middle level, which is fourth grade through eighth grade. Okay. So right no, now. No the, high school? Not high school at this point. But um, there, there are still ways. If you got a middle school degree from um, Harding, you could also test out. Okay. Of a subject in high school. So let's say that you did language arts in the middle school. You could take an exam and test out for high school. So it, it, even though we don't it's offer like that. It's kind of like clepping, huh? It is. It's, it's a lot like clepping. That's it is. pretty cool. So you can add licensure. Arkansas is very generous with that. So if you get a middle-level degree, you could also test out of elementary. So there's right, lots, so, lots of ways. So where does someone get all the information they need? They so need to go to Harding. Get this going. Sure, Harding.edu, and sign. Uh, you can you can um, put in degree completion, and it'll take you to a degree completion page where there is a contact button. You will push that button, give us your information, and somebody will in, be in touch with you the next day. This is very cool. 
you guys have made this really easy. Yeah, we're excited about I mean, it. This is easy. This is not right. difficult. Right. We'd love to talk to anybody about helping them get their degree. All right. And so, uh, you know, she's going to make a, a personal plea, basically, and just saying, look, if you're a person wanting to be a teacher and somehow mm-hmm. you got sidetracked, you got married, you got kids. Right. They can help you. Absolutely. And if you prefer to email, you could do um, education at harding.edu. So there's several ways, I think, that you can easily remember how to get in contact with us. All right. Dr. Uh, Sherry Smith from Harding University. You know, you don't have to give up your dreams. Right. Right. It's never too late. Okay. We've got news coming up. Let's do that. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you for having me. Great information. Great things that they're doing at Harding University. And uh, we'll be back in a moment. All right, back with you, Congressman French Hill, joining us from Washington, D.C. Good to have him here. I got to tell you, did you sit in your office today, uh, Congressman, and take in all the high drama of those hearings today? Uh, if you <laughs> knocked the legs of my chair out from underneath me, I would have fallen over because I was sound asleep. <laughs> I'm just telling I've you. Never, I've never, I've never, you talk about a, uh, a cure for insomnia. That was a, was exactly everyone on the intelligence committee and the judiciary committee has been telling me for weeks that if uh, Bob Mueller comes to the Hill on this, it will be an absolute snooze because everything's in the report, he'll stick to the report. So, in my opinion, nothing new was uh, learned today, except I think how unfairly the process was uh, mm-hmm. against uh, President Trump. You know, it was interesting because I forget who the congressman was when he was talking to uh, Mueller and and said, "Let's see, you had 19 lawyers. You, you guys put out 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, and there's a lot of other stuff they mentioned. And, and what did what did we get out of it?" And he he's, he asked him about, uh, "Did anybody curtail or hinder the probe?" And uh, Mueller said, "No." And then they said, uh, "What did the evidence show?" He said, "It did not establish a Trump Russia conspiracy." Period. Now everybody who's sitting out there listening and hearing that, say, well, then this is over with. Not so. Am I correct? No, I mean, I feel certain the Democrats will continue to try to keep this topic alive. But as many of us have said, the report to the attorney general was conclusive. It's time to move on and try to work on things that will benefit the American people from looking at Reactions around the country, the American people have moved on from this investigation. The Mueller report essentially spoke for itself. I thought that was confirmed today, but I don't have any doubt that the opposition party will find something to keep talking about. I mean, how how many times or how many different ways can, can Mueller say, I hadn't found nothing, there's no cheese at the end of the maze? Uh. Yeah, well, that's where we are. 22-month investigation, found no evidence of coordination, issued no indictments related to a criminal conspiracy. And the Department of Justice, upon reviewing all the evidence and talking to the staff, concluded that there was no obstruction of justice by the president or his uh, direct uh, men and women involved with his White House. So I don't know what else there is to say. Yeah. Move on to a new topic. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, and quit wasting our money uh, up there continuing to have these these hearings and get to work on some really important things. Uh, I do look forward. I do look forward to the Attorney General and Senator Lindsey Graham attempting to get to the bottom of the origins of all this. Yes. So I wish them well. That's something that I think uh, deserves sunshine. Um, and we'll get to the heart of what was going on at the Justice Department and even potentially at the White House during the summer of uh, 2016. And I do hope that uh, Attorney General Barr and Lindsey Graham can shine light on that, because I do believe from talking to a lot of my constituents, that's an open question, and people want to have an answer to those those questions. Well, I, if you're going to spend you know thirty million dollars investigating something, and that's not even adding in the ten week investigation that Comey had that showed that there was nothing there to investigate for twenty two uh, twenty two more months uh, after he got done. Yeah, I think we deserve an answer of why our money continued to be spent the way it was spent. Well, hopefully we'll find out, and uh, that will help us to make sure we have integrity in the Department of Justice, that we maintain the independence of the Department of Justice from political interference. And uh, it may lead to some uh, important changes in how people go to the FISA court, uh, the Foreign Intelligence Mm -hmm. Surveillance Court, and ask for uh, proper warrants. All these things really merit substantive review, and I hope Bill Barr brings recommendations and that will uh, hopefully protect our country uh, better in the future and protect our political process better in the future. Well, let's move on from from that, and let's talk about something else that really gets in my call and, and gets under my skin. Uh, Congresswoman Tlaib yesterday on the floor of the House compared the BDS movement to the Nazi Germany boycott of the U.S. back in the 40s. That is so ridiculous, it is unbelievable. Show me, you know, show me the, uh, the ovens in, uh, in Israel that are being used against Palestinian people. I mean, this is, you guys overwhelmingly passed House Resolution 246 opposing the efforts of the BDS movement. Uh, these people are anti-Semites, I believe. Well, let's, uh, for your listeners, let's make sure we get everybody on the same page. There's a concept called Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions, called BDS, and it was successfully used back in the 1980s against the apartheid regime uh, down in South Africa to open up South Africa and end the permanent state of racism and apartheid down there, and that's where I think that concept took hold. So this is a new movement by the left in the United States and by the left around the world to attempt to isolate and destroy the country of Israel, a democracy, our main military and economic ally in the Middle East. It's being led by very radical people uh, in Europe and some in the United States. It's a very anti-Semitic viewpoint. And it uh, has gotten legs, and there are elected members of this body, uh, uh, Representative Omar from uh, Minnesota, Representative Tlaib from Michigan, carry on this view that Israel should be 
sanctioned and uh, that no one should do business with them because they are a evil country with evil intentions uh, in uh, their territory as it relates to uh, trying to resolve uh, the Palestinian and Israeli territories after decades and decades. So I'm concerned about what we passed yesterday, Dave. Let me tell you why. I voted for it, co-sponsored by over 349 House Republicans. It's a non-binding resolution, a non-binding resolution, and it overwhelmingly passed, opposing efforts to delegitimize the state of Israel by using this boycott movement. Okay. But there's a law, a law we have pending in the House that all the Republicans are supporting. It's passed the Senate with 77 votes, passed the Senate with 77 votes. It's H.R. 336. It's a companion to Senate Bill 1, and it is a law uh, that ends BDS and has penalties and teeth to it if we see businesses or states or individuals attempt to boycott Israel and use this delegitimization process. And so I co-sponsored both, but I am fearful that by bringing this non-binding resolution to the floor yesterday, Speaker Pelosi is kowtowing to her radical left, these anti-Semites that are in her conference, uh, and letting her uh, members off the hook from voting for this more important bill, H.R. 336, that strengthens our hand at ending the BDS movement. So what you think is that uh, H.R. 246 gives them enough cover that they don't have to really lay it on the line for H.R. 336. Boy, I, and see, we have a discharge petition. We have 197 signatures on it, I think. Obviously, we need 218, which means we need Democrats in the House to sign uh, the discharge petition for H.R. 336. By the way, this bill also holds Assad accountable in Syria and provides uh, certain aid to our partner, Jordan, in the region. So this is a very important bill. Mrs. Pelosi will not bring it to the floor, and I think this is the reason why. She's cooked up, I hate to say that, this non-binding resolution, which we should support. I mean, obviously, we want to oppose efforts to delegitimize uh, the state of Israel and to uh, call attention to the BDS movement. Uh, but... It would be better if we passed a strong law in that regard. And so that's why I support H.R. 336 and urge uh, all my friends to call uh, Nancy Pelosi's office and urge her to bring that bill to the floor for a vote. You happen to have that phone number handy? Well, you can always uh, call the House uh, operator. Which call the switchboard? Is, uh, which is 202 202- Two two five. Hang on a second. Okay, he's he's there. He's getting a phone number for us. He's got he got the last four numbers for us that he's going to pull up and uh, tell us about. Then we're going to have to take a break. Then we're going to talk about the debt, something that has been forgotten, sadly over uh, the last few months and years. 
we got to get back to it. Just Yeah, I just would Google it. I can't find okay, it. Okay, just Google it. Right okay. Just Google but the just House switchboard. Just call the House switchboard switch and ask for Speaker Pelosi's office and urge her to bring to the floor H.R. 336. All right. We are going to take a quick break. When I come back, I want to talk to you. Here's something that we haven't talked about recently, Congressman, and to my chagrin, and we need to talk about it, and that is about the rising debt and deficits that we've got going on in this country again. It's got to be stopped, and uh, let's talk about that when we come back here uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest is Congressman French Hill from District 2. He's going to continue further with us when we come back. we got to get a, a commercial break in here. Let's do that right now on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me remind you, Dwayne Smith's insurance agency, Dwayne himself, and the people that uh, work with him, the professionals uh, dealing with Allstate Insurance, are waiting for you to give a call. A lot of you have done this. You've called over there, 501-819-0373, and set up an appointment They come in and sit down with them, bring in your insurance, your home insurance, your uh, life insurance, car insurance, motorcycle, whatever you have insured, bring it with you. And they're going to sit down with you and see what Allstate has to offer in your particular case so they can save you money and get you more coverage. Again, the number to call to make your appointment, 501-819-0373. Keep Mr. Mayhem at bay and work with the professionals at Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency, 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. Our guest for the next uh, remaining minutes that we have, about seven minutes here, uh, is going to be Congressman uh, French Hill. He is joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show, uh, moving away from the business at hand to talk with you here back home to let you know what's going on. Something that hasn't been talked about a lot recently, not that the congressman has not been asking questions and knocking on people's doors and saying, hey, we need to do something about this, is the debt keeps going up, uh, congressman, and the deficits keep going up. Uh, we got to get more serious about this. Yeah, Dave, thanks for asking the question. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's been one of the frustrations I've had in the four and a half years that I've served in Congress. It's why last uh, spring I persuaded the Republicans to put the balanced budget amendment to the Constitution on the House floor for a vote. And obviously I was not successful. I could not persuade enough of my colleagues to vote with me. Some people don't support something as complex and difficult as a constitutional amendment. But my real issue was, look, I don't know any other way to get people's attention. Because we now have 72% of outlays uh, in our federal budget, which is over, you know, for nearly $4.5 trillion. 72% of that money is in mandatory spending on which we don't really debate or take votes. We only debate and take votes on the $1.2 to $1.3 trillion, uh, which is called discretionary spending. It's what we're debating right now. It's what President Trump is cut a recent deal on with Speaker Pelosi and Mitch McConnell uh, in the two uh, houses up here in Congress. And yet we don't tackle these long-term structural deficits. So he'll be running for re-election as President of the United States with a trillion-dollar uh, current year deficit. Yeah, a question for you, Congressman. How do we 
get in and and deal with those mandatory budget processes how do you get in to change that is that at the committee level that that all has to happen well it should happen at the committee level but i hate to report to you my experience is it very very rarely gets the attention from our ways and means committee or our energy and commerce committee the two principal committees in the congress that deal with uh, mandatory spending programs like reforms to social security or medicare for example the two the two largest Senator Cotton and I have a bill to help reform Social Security disability. We've never been able to get a hearing on it under Republican leadership or Democratic uh, leadership. So this has been a frustration. And I was frustrated about it with President Obama, who had every opportunity to work with conservative Republicans to make long term changes. And a few tweaks were made with Speaker Boehner and Barack Obama on Medicare, but not enough. And for President Trump, I just don't believe it's enough of a priority. And I hope that he will, uh, particularly when he's reelected, that he will see to it we must make these structural reforms. And final comment, Dave, it has to be bipartisan. One party can't do this. And you also have to have presidential leadership in order to get that secret sauce to help make those big structural long-term decisions. Is it possible to even get to those with the way Washington is right now? Well, I'm always optimistic because this is, uh, from a federal spending point of view and a long-term uh, structure of our economy and for our our private sector versus public sector consumption, uh, this is the elephant in the room, and it has to be dealt with. Um, the recent proposal that President Trump's worked on with uh, leaders in the Senate and House uh, doesn't tackle it. It uh, lowers the spending rate for the next two years, but we're still spending uh, money. I will say this. The president negotiated a deal that protects pro-life policies of this uh, administration and the past Congress. And uh, this uh, proposal also importantly, does not tie his hands in any way in negotiating and in making our border more secure. So that, those are things that, were gotten, that we got done in this negotiation, but I'm, I'm still seeing spending increases that are, in my view, uh, too high. All right. Congressman, thanks a lot. It's always a, f- a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for your All honesty best, about what's going on in Washington, D.C., Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll talk to you. And uh, we appreciate the time that he gives us each Wednesday, kind of talk about some of the things that are going on in Washington, D.C. Next time that he's back for holiday, see if we can't get him in for an an hour and and sit down and kind of hash at some of the stuff that's going on. This is a serious thing here. I I had seen, uh, and I've talked about it a lot in the past, I, I saw something here recently I think it was Monday, perhaps, saying that Social Security now more uh, it's going to be there's going to be more outgo that there is income. By 2028, I think it is. And Medicare, it's even worse. Seems like that was like 2024. And so that's four years away. The other about eight years away. Things have got to change in this country or in about 16 years. We're not going we're going to have to cut back. Uh, you know, the promises that have been made 
to the people of this country, people who have paid into the Social Security, uh, you know, process for 60, 50, 60, 70 years, you're going to suddenly be told, hey, all that money you gave, well, you ain't going to get it back. Sorry, it ain't going to happen. A lot to talk about concerning that. We'll I've see if we can get him. I've been told that for a long time. Yeah, well, they've been, you know, they, they do little things that push it back just a little bit. But we're at the point that the little things ain't going to do it any longer, Russ. They're going to have to do some major things. See, I've heard that I'm not getting Social Security despite the fact I'm paying for it since I've been in high school. Yeah, well, see, here's the dirty little secret for Social Security. You're not paying for yourself. You're paying for everybody who's on Social Security right uh, now. Yeah. And it's that whole Al Gore lockbox crap, that was all a lie from the very get-go, and he knew it. So anyway... It's got to be dealt with, and, you know, I just hope they don't wait until the barn is almost completely burned to the ground before they do it. But something tells me the 800-pound gorilla is going to have to peel them like a banana uh, before they decide to do something about it. My buddy Joe from Joe's Garage is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's going to join us. I call him the Obi-Wan Kenobi of car mechanics. He'll whack me aside the head during the news where you can't hear it. You Well, Get on, get on uh, Facebook Live right now. Maybe you'll see it on the air. Uh, you know, you see that live. Just won't get the sound of the whack in the background. We'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, got about seven minutes after four. Time to bring in my uh, car guys and Joe's here today. Duck is on vacation. He remembered last week he was here. He said, "Dave, me and Teresa are going to get into the." RV, and we're going to Kentucky. Well, that's good. I've been talking to, to him. Well, I talked to him about Kentucky. I gave him a million places to go. You know, yeah. my, my mama's from Kentucky. My brothers were from Kentucky. I I spent a lot of time in Kentucky. I went to college in Kentucky. So I started giving him to good places. You so know, you're actually a Kentuckian. Well, I'm not really. I grew up in, in northwest Indiana. I'm a Hoosier. But you're a Hoosier, Kentucky. Yeah, I know a lot about Kentucky. <laughs> And uh, I got to tell you, there's a lot of great places to go. And I, I suggest I ask him if you like caves. He says, eh, a little bit. And I said, well, Mammoth Cave is always someplace that you might yeah. want to check. Stop. But I said, the first place you stop if you're coming across the Tennessee border into Kentucky is Bowling Green and go to the, the vet that's museum. Him. Yep. That's the first place you got to go because that's a great place to see. Yes, it is. A lot of fun. Go there. But uh, then I said, the duck. I don't know about Teresa, but here's one place you got to go. There's a county in Kentucky called Bourbon County, and it's called that for a reason. <laughs> yeah. It's recently been on fire, too, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been. And yeah. You know, that was 48,000 barrels of, yeah. of bourbon that caught on fire. Yeah. It burned for a while, I bet you. Jim Beam, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it was Jim Beam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway, and, and by the way, Kentucky is on their label. If you just look at their label, it says Kentucky because it ain't bourbon unless it's made in bourbon, Kentucky. That's, That's it. what they'll tell you. But they got, I mean, you got them, uh, you got Maker's Mark there, you got a lot of different bourbons that are bottled there. Well, sure. That's, I guess, they're the capital of the bourbon industry. That's what they are. Yeah. Worldwide, yeah. I think. It's a great, yeah, it is yeah. worldwide. It's a great place to go. Uh, Bourbon, Kentucky, uh, not Bourbon, Kentucky, but Bourbon itself was developed and created by a Southern Baptist minister in Bourbon County, mm-hmm. Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, 
I like going to Maker's Mark only because I've always thought that Maker's Mark had one of the coolest bottles because they got that wax on yeah, the top. melted wax. You go for the tour, and of course, you do get to taste the bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's not, you don't get as much as you get like when you go to Budweiser and get to taste the beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to drink a, a pint of a bourbon. I mean, it's, you get a little half a shot a or taste. something. Yeah, just a little taste. But you get one of these small, really small bottles, and you get to put... The wax, the wax on top of it. Cool. I still got mine. All right. I love that. And I went, last time I was there, about 74. Yeah. No, that's old. Yes. It's been aged well. That bourbon might be pretty good to have about right now. Yeah, it's just a small <laughs> bottle, though. Yeah, that's all right. It's like one of those, it's a little bigger than an airplane or yeah. a, or a, a you bottle get you get in a, in a motel or hotel or something yeah. like that. Out of the... That they charge you ten dollars or twelve yeah. bucks for. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, more than that, twenty dollars yeah. probably. And I told him to go, you know, up to the Ark, up in northern Kentucky. That's, you mm-hmm. know, people here think, well, well, I'm just telling you, it's something you got to see. Yeah, it's impressive. It's impressive. Made made the biblical proportions. It's you don't think how big that thing is until you come up on it. It is huge. Yeah, I mean, really, really big. So I was impressed with that so i gave him a few places to go to i told him he could also go to the old fraternity house teak house on moorhead state university campus and <laughs> see if he could he could bring uh channel any of the the spirits there because there were a, a lot of spirits living and dead and consumed <laughs> and consumed huh? that <laughs> that's a true story that's the truth all right well let, let's talk it, it's cooled down just a little bit now for your guys working at the garage that's not a that's not so much of a of a of a great thing over like for Duck where they got the big fans going. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 they're, they're really liking this cool. Yeah, weather. they're praying to heaven, saying thank you, God, you know. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, it's not ninety seven degrees out right now. It's eighty four. It's beautiful outside. Yes. Perfect summer day. So you know, during this time, is there anything that people should before we get it? And there's going to be another round of really hot. You know that in August oh, it's hot, hot, hot. And yeah. What are some things people better be take the time have them checked? If you haven't had them checked now, now's the time to check them. Well, you know you're you're back to the biggest thing when it's really hot outside. It's you know uh, I would say comfort wise to be AC. Mm-hmm. If it's uh, blowing cold air on a day like today but not so cold on a 95 or 97 degree day, that usually is an indication that the charge is a little bit low. Okay. And, of course, as we've spoke about thousands of times on this show, that that AC compressor is lubricated by the Freon. So if you have a low Freon level, it's not getting the oil it needs to stay lubricated, and you can cause yourself just from being, I guess, not attentive enough on it to get it checked. Right. It can cost you big bucks, fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars put a compressor and a condenser and all uh, expansion valve or that. orifice tube and and flush the lines and do it right. And and that's an expensive repair where you can get it the the charge checked on it and the proper oil amount put in it and put some dye in it because if it is a little bit low, you know it's leaking a little bit. You don't use it up. You don't wear it out. It has to be contained. And I would recommend it. You know, if on a real hot day, if it's not as cold as you think it should be. At least come by and check it, and we'll be happy to check it. And generally, we evacuate it, weigh the Freon, then we put back in the proper amount, and you only charge for the difference from what's taken out and what's put back in. So if it holds like two and a half pounds, you're not going to be charged for two and a half. If it's got uh, two pounds in, it's half a pound low, you're going to be charged for that half a pound. 
plus the labor to do the job, plus the dye and the oil, which usually average about about $125, $140, something like that. Yeah, That's a it, lot cheaper than 1400 Yeah, but think, think about this as well, that if you go in and Joe tells you you're a little bit low on your coolant, what else does that tell him? Tells them you got a leak. Yeah, so we we put dye in the system for the AC, and and when you come when it goes down again, you come back. It may be next week, next month, next year, but what you're paying for today covers that UV test to see where it's leaking from, so we can do an estimate to repair the leak. I mean, that's how we found sure the one in mine. Although yeah, mine when we went to charge it to this year, when that big cloud came out, we knew we had a big leak. Well, we we knew well that that was that was a line that had a had rubbed on something and, and rubbed a hole in it. You yeah, know? and and that was a different story. But you know, you go back to the year before when you'd say, "I need to check my charge and it's low," and I check it and I say, "Yeah, Dave, it's low. It's leaking." Yeah, and we put the UV light on it and we found it coming out the AC condensation drain. Remember? Yep. You walked over and looked under it. Yeah, put you the glasses it on. It. Yep. And it's just like looking at, at the sun. It's that's how yellow it is. It's like CSI, man. It was yeah. so cool. That's it. We found the... Uh, just wasn't blood. Thank God. Yeah, or, or any other kind of fluid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I didn't want to go there. All right, well, All right that's okay. Well, it is what it is. That's right. That, You're all that right. black light shows it up. <laughs> it shows you know? it up. You're right. And, and it's it's real simple to find a leak like that, and that's why we do it that way. So and we're just... All we're doing is putting the dye in there as as a added feature. So if you do... even if Even if it's a very, very slow leak this year... Three years from now, it may be a substantial leak. And if we can find that leak before it gets substantial, that's our aim right there. So you're not down and struggling and being hot right. before we can get it fixed. Because if you come in, you do regular service there and say, hey, last year you had to charge that thing. Check it again for me. We'll be looking with that light to find that die. Right. Try and save you money is what it amounts to. Yeah, because it's the difference between you know finding maybe a, a leak in a hose a Correct. piece of rubber tubing and having your whole system go down well if it gets low enough on charge and you keep using it and a lot of folks don't realize they just put their hand up there and they think it's not as cold as it used to be but that air compressor out there will be short cycling and it'll be struggling to get enough oil to keep it alive because the oil is in the freon so when the freon level is low it doesn't circulate oil like it should and that's not a good thing no. just keep that in mind that's not a good thing so preventive maintenance, as we've talked about on this show with Joe and with Joe and then with Duck and then with Joe and Duck at the same time. Sure. That saves money. Pay me now or pay me later. That's the way it always works. Later is always more expensive. Yeah, and it's real expensive. Joe, you stay right where you're at. We'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. A quick break and then more on the Dave Ellswick Show, one one FM, The Answer. Hey, have you uh, talked to the folks at PI Roofing? I'm giving them a call uh, tomorrow. Going to have them come out and take a look at my roof. Sitting back uh, in the backyard. Uh, let's see, last night? No, night before last. And looking up, and uh, I thought I saw some areas where maybe a shingle or two had come off. So I want them to make sure things are okay uh, on my roof. And when it comes to a roofing job, there's no place better to go than PI Roofing. Uh, Joel Johnson, Veronica Johnson, the owners, I've known them for years, about 15 years to be exact. And PI Roofing is one of the best, uh, if not the best, roofing company here in our area. So I highly recommend that you go check them out. Now, they also do gutters, uh, and they've got these new gutters that they will put on your home that do not clog. 
and they look like crown molding. They're supposed to be very, very cool. I have not seen them. I'm telling you what I've heard from people who've gotten them, and uh, PI Roofing is the place that you can get them from. If you have any kind of leaks that you've had that you want to get the roof repaired and some damage inside your home, know that they do the home repairs as well, and they'll even clean out your gutters now. They are a one-stop shop for a whole lot of stuff. That's piroofing.com, piroofing.com. Joe is here with us, Joe's Garage, and uh, good to have him back into our studio. We've been talking about you get a little, you're getting a little respite the rest of this week as far as the heat goes. I don't think we hit 90 again until sometime next week, and then we'll be up into the upper 90s by the end of the week. So while you got time, here's another thing you should have them check, your tires. Absolutely. This hot weather takes toll on the tires, Dave, especially that asphalt. You imagine how hot the asphalt gets I can when the sun's imagine. cooking on it for 10, 12 hours, 100 degrees, 95, 70. Get out of your car. Like go, to, go to Wally World and get out of your car to go inside and have to walk across that asphalt during the middle of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, it's frying out there. Yeah, without shoes, you're going to be hip-hopping around. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I may be Arkansan, but I'm not that Arkansan. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying. But your tires are on that asphalt yes, all the time, are. and as they roll, they get hot, and heat builds in the tires. And uh, if the tires are kind of old, I'm going to say, and dry rotted and cracked, what you're going to have, you can have a tire that'll just uh, disintegrate and come apart. Yeah, you don't want that. Get a blowout as well. Absolutely. You'll be on the side of the freeway, and everybody knows how dangerous that is. If if you have if you have a flat, my recommendations are do not get out and try and change it. The jacks they have today are Mickey Mouse, and they're too. I'm telling you, a lot of them are complicated to use to get yeah. spare down and all that. You're better off just call somebody, have roadside assistance come out and do it for you, and stay safe, stay in the car. Yeah, that's something to always. I I think I've got it on my uh, car insurance. So if something happens, uh, like the car. And I've had this happen, had a tire go out, even two tires go out. I make a phone call, they show up, That's it. and they change the tire for me. I don't have to mess with it. Well, it's dangerous on the side of the freeway, Dave. It, well, it's I, actually I just dangerous. Think, you know, if, you, if you've lived 66 years, you want yeah. to live another 66 years. And you, I've learned a few things. <laughs> yeah, you, if you go out on the side of the freeway and stand there, the traffic we have today with the 18-wheelers, it, it, it'll it just make you nervous standing there. But if yep. you're hunkered down behind a car and you're trying to jack it up and take the lug nuts loose, and you may be four foot from that li- outside line, but some of these folks, they just... They hold I'm, it. I'm telling you, they won't move over. Yeah. And when they go by about 75, 80 mile an hour, you just bite your bottom lip and hope they don't run over you because if they hit you, you're goner. Well, you got that and you got the... I mean, a truck goes by you. And you're up on one of those flimsy jacks. Mm-hmm. Your car is rocking there on the side. Last thing you want to do is have the car fall off and destroys the brake assembly and stuff, too. Well, either land on your leg or your foot or something. Yeah, it's uh, just better off not to do that. Just call the roadside assistance people or have it towed in, and and uh, we, can, we can make short work of it for them. Well, key, new tire key, I do, yeah, here's what I do. First thing I call is somebody to get me off the side of the road. That's it. Second call I got, I got him on speed dial, is Joe. And I said, hey. Thank you, Dave. The, the, the tow truck's on its way with my car. Uh, had, a, had I had to call him. This was several months ago, but 
I had a pickup truck in front of me on 67167, still when we had the corridor of death out there. Mm-hmm. And I was in it, and uh, something popped off the back, and I ran over it. It blew both my front tires out. Yep. Well, I was blocking the whole freeway, and mm-hmm. they came out, got me, took me to Joe's, and uh, he did he did the rest then. And that's all you can do in a situation like that. Well, it you know you don't have two spares, so there's no way. But you know, yeah. if you run over something, and there, there's with all the construction we have, that's commonplace. Running over stuff that falls off construction trucks or nails from doing <laughs> construction work <laughs> yeah. and rocks and, and you know you name it. So it's it's uh, kind of commonplace to be honest with you. I've had two cars in the shop this past week that ran over something on the freeway and filed insurance claim on them. Yeah, one of them run over. Looked like they said it looked like a piece of four by four steel bent both front, both right front and right rear wheel, and bent the tire rod in. Oh, and those wheels on that particular car, we couldn't find any used ones or aftermarket. Six hundred and thirty-one dollars a wheel. I would have been putting almost thirteen hundred dollars worth of wheels. Think I would have been putting in a, a insurance claim on that. No, oh, they did. Yeah, I absolutely. advised them to. I said, you need to call your insurance You remember company. when it happened to me? Yes. Just before they even started working on the, the Jacksonville area, and along the side of the road, just off the line, they had potholes that were incredulous. Yes. And I had a truck kind of, he didn't touch me, but he was moving a little bit in my lane, and yeah. I'm not going to play chicken with an 18-wheeler, and I came off a little bit, hit one of those, and it just, it blew the tire bent the rim mm-hmm. and uh yeah i filed a claim on that yep you know, they your, were expensive. your deductible is a set price and, yeah and, and that's a comprehensive claim so it doesn't usually hurt your rate or anything right so you know i advise anybody that runs over something does any kind of damage i have another one at the shop i was telling you about they run over something knocked a hole in the oil pan oh that's not good no we're and that we're had gonna, to be something pretty good stout to be able oh, yeah. to put a hole in the oil pan yeah we it was at night and they don't know what it was they just know they hit it and then the oil light came on and they pulled over and shut it off apparently i think the motor is going to be all right but we do have an oil pan order for it okay. these aluminum oil pans on these late model cars you can't hit a whole lot you know you used to have a steel one and put a deal yeah. and go on these aluminum ones you hit something it cracks it's busted it's done so. all right so for all of you who got a little bit of uh, wisdom on your age bracket know that it ain't like the old days you can run over a dead body and nothing happened yeah and it don't work that way anymore. <laughs> Not anymore don't work that way anymore okay we're going to take a break for news we're going to come back we'll tell you a little bit about bumper to bumper and we got questions from you 823-0965 we'll answer those here on the dave ellswick show news is next all right back with you joe is here from joe's garage uh, this segment brought to you by Bumper to Bumper. And while we got a moment, let's talk about Bumper to Bumper because this year is their 100th anniversary. Absolutely. 2019 to 1919. Wow. 100 years. A lot of companies that's cannot incredible. Can't even, even stay 10 years. That's correct. <laughs> you know, and if you have a company that's been around for 100 years, you know they're doing something right. And 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 their whole thing is, is very simple, Dave. The best quality parts at the best price and the best service and that's what they give you and uh they have electronic ordering we have a database that's set up and we we actually look up our own parts and order them we don't even I've call seen the it store. personally and 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 it's you know you can you can look and see what they've got where it's at and and just click a mouse click away and it's on the way 
and, and they'll be there within 15, 20 minutes. Well, for most per- people, here's the key. They want to get the job done by in a quality fashion. They know they can get that with bumper-to-bumper certified service centers from you, from Duck, from sure. you know Tom and a lot of other people. However, they want to get it done as quickly as they can so they can have their car back as quickly as they can, and that's where bumper-to-bumper really helps you guys. Well, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good advantage for us to have parts here in this town. They have a huge warehouse and distribution center here. They actually have three of them in their network at PWI, which is the affiliate for Bumper to Bumper and Auto Value. Now, uh, these guys do a great job, Dave. They, and, and there's a big difference from going down to the discount parts place and buying a, a ball joint from them, and you go and you buy one from Bumper to Bumper, you're going to get a quality part. Yes. You know? And that's basically, you know, AC Delco, Motocraft, Standard Motor Products. That's another company that's been around for 100 years. And they make a lot of the OEM parts for, for, um, the manufacturers and so when you order some of these parts these are the people that put the parts on the car when it was first built and some of these companies have technologically advanced those parts and if they had an issue with it they corrected it right so you're getting an updated part what you're getting and and it's the best quality you can get and the best price and you know price does mean something but in my world i'd rather have a I'd rather pay a little more for a part and get a good part than buy the cheapest one out there and have to deal with you when you come back and you're mad at me. Well, that's like, you know, oil filters and things of that nature, air filters. People people think, uh, well, there's no difference. I beg to differ. I have a, you mentioned air filter. I have a little story I'd like to tell you. okay? Okay, go. Now, everybody knows about the aftermarket filters, the, you know, I think K&N and several other people do this. And and a gentleman come in and he said, "Well, my truck ain't running quite right. Doesn't have a light on, but it's just not going as like it used to." And so I was sitting there talking with him, and and I'm scanning his vehicle, and I look in there. I said, "Well, your light's not on right now." He said, "No, but it has been on. It's went off. It's come on. It's went off." But I'm looking in there, and I've got some performance issues with his mass airflow sensor. And a mass airflow sensor is the monitoring the volume of air going in the engine, the temperature of that air, and it's got a barometric pressure sensor in it so it knows whether you're at sea level or top of the Rocky Mountains. And then the processor, the PCM or the ECM, computes that and uses that data for the fuel management to make the car have performance and run and get fuel economy. Right. Well, if you put those aftermarket air filters in there that everybody brags about, they come with a little uh, misting spray you put on, a little bit of oil, Okay. That oil collects and gets on the sensor, the mass airflow sensor itself, the little wires that are in there, uh-huh. and collects a little bit of dirt or trash. It throws the reading off. Yeah, I was going to say, that is screw things up. And you won't necessarily get a code for that because the sensor is working, but you've just got trash on it, and it's, not, it's given a false reading. So, therefore, your light may come on and go off. If you go out there and you punch it real hard, it may come on. If you drive it normally, it won't directly related to the aftermarket air filters put in with the oil that you spray on them collects on the mass airflow sensor and causes it not to read properly sometimes you have to replace that sensor that sensor going to be three or four hundred dollars to buy it right sometimes we can clean them put them back in there and then go drive the truck but i always take that aftermarket filter out put it in the bed of the truck i put a paper filter back in there you know depending on who it was from who built it i'll go back with the oem style filter or a wix filter or a parts master filter well, and, and that, you've and been that. working at this long enough that you know there's a difference 
in the way these companies make their filters. Yes. And I talked to that gentleman that was coming to complain about his truck, and I told him, I said, the mass airflow is dirty. I said, we can probably clean that, but you got to get rid of that air filter you put in there. And and he said, well, I just paid for that thing. It was like 70 bucks. I said, it's wasted money. So some things that you read and people write about for performance and better fuel economy and all, they ain't all they're cracked up to be. Well, those, a lot of those people writing those articles about how good pieces and parts are mm-hmm. are getting paid to write that for those people. So Absolutely. they know if they want to get another, be able to write another article for them, mm-hmm. you better say good things about whatever they're writing about this time. If you call any bumper-to-bumper certified service center, out, whether it's me or anybody else, and you talk to the owner and you say, what do you think about these aftermarket air filters where you have to spray the little oil stuff on them? There won't be one shop owner to say, I got one in my truck, unless it's a carbureted truck. But if it's a fuel-injected engine, they're going to say, don't do it for huh. that mass airflow sensor feel. That's very interesting. Yes. See, that's why you listen to the show. You get information like that that you'll you'll not get anywhere else. Why well, I love having Joe on. I had no idea. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. good. Well, it's, it just, but I don't worry because you changed my oil and everything. I know you're going to do the best thing for my car that oh, should be done. Yep, we're going to take care of you. I take care. I, if anybody comes in my shop, they're going to get the same treatment Dave gets. If it's a whole yeah, filter service, I'm not the special boy here. Let me just say, I'm just a normal customer. At you're going to get you're going to get a, a parts master oil filter, which is made by Wix, top of the line stuff. And you're going to get I, I sell Havilland oil. You're going to get Havilland oil, which is top of the line oil. When we were in uh, North Carolina at the Wix. Hamill, man, man, Hamill, they changed it, okay? Right. But we were at that facility, that plant where they make these filters. The engineer there, he said randomly, sometimes I just want to check things. He said, I'll go out and ask one of the employees, can I change your oil? And he said, and then I'll do it again just to see what the difference is. Uh huh. And me and you've done that test before. Yeah, we he have. He burns done that. every sample, Dave. He burns every sample. Through the whole meeting, we're sitting there talking to him. He's giving us all these information and tips and things to do. And he asked, has anybody ever burned oil? And I said, hold my hand up, yes. And and then when right the last question I asked him, I said, sir, I just want to know what brand oil do you use? He said, Havilland. Okay. That's a true story. And this come from the engineer of the Wix manufacturing plant in North Carolina. A few, few years back, we might have said something different, but that changed because the company – is doing differently now. Yeah. You know, uh, Havilland is they bringing that, that brand back. That's Chevron owns that. And Chevron is the ancient new owner of Standard Oil Company from years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. They've been around since people have been digging oil out of the ground. <laughs> they started it. Ever since they stuck the first straw in the ground. So, you and, know. And, you know, uh, a lot of oil manufacturers, they use base oil. Chevron is the largest base oil producing manufacturer in, in uh, southern United States. Wow. So, a lot of oil companies uh, that make oil, they have to buy that base oil from somebody. They buy it from Chevron. All right. Let's get our final break in, then we'll come back. I want to ask Joe about a 2012 GMC Acadia Denali six-cylinder. 3.6 about the air conditioning. We'll okay. talk about that when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, I've got one from Felicia. I got a 2012 GMC Acadia Denali six cylinder 3.6 liter engine. Uh, says, I, I took my truck to the shop and they recharged the Freon. 
and added dye to see if we had a leak. We talked about that earlier in the show, if you were listening. We uh, brought it back a month later, and the technician said that we didn't have any leaks. However, the truck still blows cool air, but does not cool down the truck. I always have the AC set to 60 degrees, and the fan on as high as it goes. You should be able to cool down a truck, I'm just telling you. Truck is never comfortable. Technician looked for fault codes on the truck and didn't find any. Changed the air filter under the dash after finding it all clogged up. The truck does run a little hot when we drive through town with the AC on. Technician said he didn't see it doing that, and the truck seemed fine after all his tests. So I brought it home, and we still got the same. So, Joe, what could be the problem? Well, there's a couple of things come to mind there, Dave. One, that vehicle should be equipped with a front and a rear AC unit. The rear one will have to be on all the time okay. in, 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 in the summertime, even if it's on low. It doesn't change the load on the AC compressor. It's the same compressor, but it works both units, so it's just the blower speed you're changing. Set that on as cold and put it on low. Then you can adjust the front to make it comfortable. I don't know if she's not turning the rear one on or if there's a problem with the rear one. Now, whoever had this vehicle should have checked the pressures on that AC compressor to see how efficient the compressor was to make sure that it was pumping properly. A wore-out AC compressor or a weak AC compressor will give you low high-side pressure, and that will affect how much cool air it makes. Okay? Number three, the what you would call the blend door actuator underneath the dash. GM has some problems with those, okay? Okay. As well as Ford and Dodge and everybody else because they're little electric actuators. Sometimes when the vehicle has had a battery put in it or something like that, we have to go back in there and recalibrate those things. When you set it on 60, that's maximum one direction. Okay, yeah. So you're going to shut off any... Availability of warm air getting into the it's system. It's supposed to, but if it's out of calibration, that thing may not, that door may not be closing all the way, and you got that heater air blending with it. That's that's the third thing. The fourth one, running a little bit hot in town in the summertime, slightly higher is normal because you're sitting still and you don't have a lot of air moving. So there is a uh, cooling fan out there, condensing fan out there that pulls air across the radiator and the AC condenser. If that fan's weak and it's not moving enough air, it'll cause the high side pressure to get up too high. When it gets up too high, it'll kick that compressor out. And then when it drops down a little bit, it'll kick it back on. So you may have a problem with that fan not pulling enough air across that condenser to keep that Freon cool enough for the high pressure to stay low enough where the compressor stays on all the time. So what you're saying is that AC is a pretty complex business. Well, it can be. Now, the fact that the guy, the technician that she took it to, told him, told her there weren't any leaks. If he had to add Freon to it, it's leaking, definitely. Yeah, 100% guaranteed. Now, whether or not it showed up or not, I don't know. But... That's the, I mean, you know, that's the first thing you look for when you check AC system is, is, is the compressor performance and the Freon level. And those are the two most critical things. Then everything after that is just blowing air and moving air, making, make sure the condenser's got air pulling across it and make sure that the blower motor's functioning and, and the cabin air filter being stopped up. You know, if it was really, really dirty and if she, I ask questions, you carry dogs in the car, pets in the car. Sometimes you uh, end up with, uh, even though the cabin air filter stopped up, you can have the uh, 
the evaporator core get enough debris on it that restricts airflow flowing across it, and it'll affect the temperature inside the vehicle too. Because low volume of air is 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 important as well as the temperature of that air. If you can't if you can't blow enough air through it to get it cold enough fast enough, it's going to stay uncomfortable in the vehicle. All right, keep that all in mind. Joe giving you a complete rundown there of what he's going to be looking at. Uh, how about one more? We got sure. a 2009 Audi A3 base, four-cylinder, two-liter engine, no engine compression due to broken timing. Can this be due to not having any oil? As I went to a mobile one, had an oil change done. They installed a bad filter. My oil was lost. The oil leaked under the hood. The next day, I returned to mobile one where they installed a new oil uh, put in new oil and a new filter. My car ran for one day, then quit running. I had the Audi dealer diagnostics check my car, and they said that I had no engine compression because the timing is broken. Is this related to losing all my oil? Well, generally speaking, yes. Uh, if you have an engine that is belt-driven or if you have an engine that is chain-driven for the connection between the crankshaft and the camshaft Mm -hmm. uh if you run it low on oil and let's just say the camshaft is the highest point in the motor if it gets not enough lubrication and tries to seize up and the crankshaft still trying to turn it it can break the belt jump the timing belt teeth on it and cause it to get out of time or it can jump the timing chain and most timing chains today are oil pressure operated tensioners so without any oil in it, that tensioner is not pushing that chain out, keeping it tight. And yes, it can jump. And if it jumps, most of the engines today are interference engines because they run such high compression and close clearances in there. If the valves get slightly out of time and the pistons make contact with the valves, the valves are bent and you'll have zero compression. And I believe from what she just stated that her problem was due to the lack of oil pressure because it didn't have it blew all the oil out of it now if you're going to try to prove that in court of law good luck i can't help you with that <laughs> good luck but i can just tell you that most of those places like that if if they have an issue with them if you contact uh, the right folks they'll 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 do something about it they'll make it right yeah generally okay. they do well i got one more we got time so let's okay. do this brent's got a 2015 here's a one of your favorite cars a bmw 328i times drive base four cylinder 2.0 when i put the temperature at the lowest setting which is 60 degrees on my ac the ac works just fine and blows cold air however if i was to increase that by even just one degree it blows extremely hot air do you have any idea what this could be anything above 60 is just really hot air i'm all ears we're back to that door actuator again. Door. Yes, we are. When you put that thing down on 60, generally the, the lowest temperature setting you have puts that on a max. So it'll close the outside door, too, whether you've got the button push for recirculate or not. Right. It'll close that door because you want it to get cold. Mm-hmm. You raise that temperature up. So I think that most likely his issue is going to be in that area right there. I wonder he, if the blend door is... is wide open letting cold air in at 60 put 61 and flaps the other way and it close could do it that. off 
because the actuators got little potentiometers in them and they have degrees like when you recalibrate one you use a scan tool and you go in there and you set set up and you can look at all these doors most of them have dual zones you got two blend door actuators you got a mode door actuator you got a recirculate door actuator and what we do is to calibrate those we go in there and we put it in learn mode and you go over and you say all right this is zero all the way one way this is 100 percent the other way so when you set it on 60 degrees depending on what manufactured it is it's supposed to read zero but if it thinks it's at zero it stops the door from moving <laughs> so we're going to calibrate it to where when it's at zero it knows it's at zero you see wow, what i'm saying i understand what you're saying so basically we're just we're just relearning it and sometimes with uh, batteries going bad and arcing and sparking and jumping and stuff they'll they can get out of calibration out, out, out of sync we just go back in there and resync them it's very interesting all right that's all the time we got all right dave you passed your test again well i appreciate you get to that. stay in business Hey, I appreciate that, too. <laughs> Joe from over at Joe's Garage is over in Crystal Hills Road uh, in North Little Rock. Go, I'm going to tell you what. Just give him a call. They're on Google. You can find it. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know a better mechanic in the area. And I've used him now for uh, 19 years. Yes, sir. I thank you a lot, Dave. He's the man. All right. Let's take a break. Come back. Robert Steinbach. We'll talk about Mueller for a little bit. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get into the final hour of this uh, hump day show. It is Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and it is a beautiful day. Wasted on being in the middle of the week, but it is a beautiful day nonetheless. It's 84 degrees outside right now. The humidity is nice. It's a beautiful, beautiful summer day. Supposed to be that way all the way through the weekend and that is really good news if you're going up to heber Heber springs or going down you know to the south and heading down to degray or wherever you're going uh, have a good time get out with the family enjoy why they call it the natural state here in uh, arkansas gorgeous absolutely looking gorgeous gonna like that all right Robert Steinbach will be here in a few moments. He ran into a little bit of traffic. He's on his way, and he'll be here to talk to us. Uh, I want to get him on because I want to talk uh, with him about Mueller and uh, from his legal perspective what he thought uh, about his testimony today. I I thought he's Mueller sounded aged today. It's like he, he retired in March, and it was like, he walked out of that press conference and just kind of went. Whew. Over the course of my career, I have seen oh, here you go. a number of challenges to our democracy. The Russian government's effort to interfere in our election is among the most serious. And as I said on May 29th, this deserves the attention of every American. All right. So that was uh, back in May. If you listen, his voice sounded a little bit strained. I don't know if he'd been ill lately or what, but, uh, you know, he did sound wisdomed. How's that? Elderly. He is elderly. He's been around for a long time, and uh, he he just sounded like he was uh, he was tired. I don't think that he really wanted to do what he did today. Uh, I think, I guess, it was done out of respect uh, for uh, Congress, for the Democrats. Uh, He got an earful on a lot of issues from the Republicans. 
he was tried he was tried to be set up by uh by the um Democrats several times to say things that his report didn't say. And uh, that would be the last time, or should be the last time, that he makes his way up to the Hill and uh, appears either on the House or the Senate side uh, in this case. It's, uh, it's, It's now closed. It's finished. And everything that he said was nothing more than what was written in that report. And for the people, and I've I've seen the articles, I've read the op-eds about how the Department of Justice, you know, warned him about don't talk about this, don't talk about that, don't do this, don't do that. A.G. Barr uh, was asked about that, and he gave the definitive answer on this. You know, well, as you know, at his press conference, uh, Bob had said that he intended to stick with the public report and not go beyond that. And in conversations with the department, uh, his staff was reiterating that that was their position. And they asked us for guidance in writing they uh, asked to, uh, to explain uh, or to tell them what our position was. So we responded in writing. The department sent the guidance they had requested. All right. So I, I just wanted to make that clear because there's been a lot of it. That's Robert. He's here. He's made it in here. You got your briefcase there? Oh, wait. It's not a briefcase. You got a you you, you got a big old, I use a pocketbook. A pocketbook or whatever the heck that thing is. Anyway, a man purse. You're in here. You brought everything. He's brought his suitcase. Did you bring your pillow? I didn't know. No pillow. Okay, okay. Any bottom line. Did you watch any of it today? Oh, I watched. Okay, here's... Here's what I was just talking about, and that is, leading up to this, there there was this letter that went out to uh, Mueller, and, no, and nobody had read it, and everybody was saying, see, that's the DOJ telling him what he can talk about and what he can't talk about. Now we've heard from Mueller himself, it was, or, uh, and from the AG, the AG says, hey, Mueller sent me the letter. He asked me for guidance. Right, right. And so I gave him I gave him guidance. Here legally, here's what you can talk about, here's what you can't talk about. Legally. Anybody. All right, and uh they would just get making sure they crossed the T's and dotted the I's. Listen, Dave, that's uh it's a it's a good point, but that's the weeds for the forest at this point. Uh this guy uh, listen, as you likely recall, every time I've been on your show I've said something positive about Mueller personally. Yeah. I'm not one of these people that wants to attack him personally. I, I see no need for it. I don't think it's justified. Whether or not he made good or bad judgments in the process, I see no need to attack him. And indeed, the president sort of said something along the lines of what I'm going to say now, uh, albeit I thought similarly while I watched the event, shall we call it. Um, Mueller was not involved. Mueller was not involved in the day-to-day process. Yeah. Let me let me yeah. let me mention that. All right, he was asked about where was it? I got to find these two places here. He was asked about the Fusion GPS, uh, and he says, "I'm not familiar with that. It was outside of my purview." In other words, he didn't have anything to do with the people who investigated that. Dave, I served on two similar type commissions let me be clear not nearly as impactful as one that's investigating the president 
But I served on two special commissions, one by the Justice Department itself. And the guy that I served for uh, was a longtime justice employee uh, who had done a number of these special investigations in one way or another. And he said to me, there, and that was when, by the way, I had the title of special counsel. And I don't mean to suggest in any way it's comparable to his. It's just, it's a title that is not that uh, rare. And A lot of people think it is. They do. They do. That's right. And my boss who ran the show, his title actually was counsel. It wasn't special counsel. It was counsel. So it just goes to show you it it doesn't, it, 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 it can be one way or the other. And he told me, look, there, there are many ways that these things are run. Uh, sometimes the boss person, he was referring to himself, is intimately involved in the details. Other times they're like the 9-11 commission where they're f- much more hands-off and they just give some general guidelines. And then somewhere in between, and my boss said about himself, he's somewhere in between. He goes, I'm not getting into the weeds on this. And it strikes me that Mueller was somewhere between the middle point and the hands-off position. And perhaps, amongst other reasons, that's what drove his statement previously that he doesn't intend to stray from the report itself. Because it appears he's unable to stray. And that's not a criticism. Mm -hmm. It's just a description. He's unable to stray And the Democrats thought this was going to be their jumping off point for the high dive where they were going to score 10 from the Olympic judges panel. And what did they do? Uh, A a big, what is it when you jump in the pool and it's just a big splash? Uh, uh, A cannonball. It turned out to be a big belly uh, slapping cannonball. It was was basically a belly flop. Yeah, it was a belly flop. It was not. Nothing happened today. You know what the news is? There's no news. Yeah. That's what the news is. Okay, well, I want to go back because the two of the biggest things <coughs> that were talked about during this 22-month <coughs> investigation yeah. were Fusion GPS and the Steele dossier. Mueller said on Fusion GPS, I am not familiar with that. It was outside of my purview. That means that of those 19 lawyers you had, he turned it over to some of them, and they're the ones who looked into it. The other part is the Steele dossier beyond my purview. I mean, that means the two biggest things, the two things that drove that 22-month investigation, he didn't even pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that goes back to what I said a moment ago. He was not in the details of this. He gave some general guidelines. Look, he used to be the head of the FBI. You think the head of the FBI goes and kicks down doors and and does raids and arrests and warrants? No. And he ain't changing now when it comes to this. But what was really interesting is that he was not even intimately aware of the contents of the report itself. Right. When they announced that he was going to bring his deputy, there was one of two possibilities. One possibility, it was a, an avenue by which they, the, the Mueller team could attack the president indirectly, not through Mueller, because Mueller said he wasn't going to do that. That was one possibility, and that was one I'm sure the president and his staff were concerned about. 
The alternative possibility was the one that materialized, which is Mueller said, I need to bring my chief because he's the guy with the facts. I recall, let me give you an analogy. When I worked at the Department of Justice, we got a ruling from the Supreme Court that impacted I think it was Supreme Court. Anyway, in any, from some court that impacted how we were litigating a certain type of cases, and it weakened our ability. It took away one of our defenses, essentially. And so, as a consequence of that, we sent out letters. Well, the head of the office, in fact, sent out letters to the other side on the cases. There were various folks, but the other side, shall we say, on the cases, and said, listen, feel free to come in and discuss the possibility of settlement. And he did it on one of my cases. Of course, I'm fully aware of it. It wasn't nothing uh, untoward about it whatsoever. And then we met, and I was in the meeting. And so every time the other side said, well, this is the law, these are the facts, he turned to me, which was appropriate. And I said, well, that's an exaggeration. Oh, you're right on that, but you're wrong on this. Turns out we didn't settle the case, and we wound up winning it in the end. But that's not the point. The point is... He had no intention of meeting with the other side alone, and that's what it turns out Mueller wanted. He had no intention of answering these questions alone. That wasn't his job. It wasn't his capability. And so in, in a normal world, in a normal set of events, that wouldn't be controversial whatsoever. But the Democrats put so all their eggs in that yes, basket. they did. All their eggs, and guess what? The bottom fell out, and all the eggs cracked. They've got nothing. Except egg on their face. Exactly. Nice extension of that analogy. They have nothing to go on now. Now, does that mean they're not going to seek to impeach him? No, but it certainly gives them no leverage. And this was the very thing. Now, remember, of course, you're well aware that just within the last week or so, they voted down impeachment because they felt they didn't have enough. Yeah. And they were hoping and praying that this would be the turning point. No dice. Yeah, I'm not expecting the Speaker of the House to make uh, the squad feel good over the next few weeks. Not at all. Not at all. This was, this was, a, uh, there's a great line. You know how I like the Indiana Jones movies, yes. right? And it's one, the Golden Chalice, is that the name of that uh, episode? And, uh, you have to, they had to pick up uh, Indiana Jones had to pick up the cup that Jesus drank from. Yes, and, uh, and the Holy Grail, the Holy Grail, indeed. And the guy before him uh, picked up the wrong cup. Yes, and then there's this uh, guard guardian, and he says, um, um, "He did not choose wisely." Yes. Right? Yeah. Understatement of the world, right? right? He did not choose wisely, and I, and I think he turned into salt, right? Yeah. He died instantaneously. Well, guess what, Dems? You chose poorly. And this is the outcome. You chose poorly. All right. So, President Trump now, after what is going on today, we were seeing lower numbers. He was down like six points on the economy early this morning. Guess what? He's up to 52% now. Is this going to hurt the Democrats? Oh, it's going to hurt. If the the president can stay above 50%, it's a virtual lock. 
that he'll win re-election. Mind you, he can win re-election theoretically even below that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not here to say he definitely will. Uh, I, I'm a supporter. No, I'm the one who does You that. do. You do. You're, you're much more confident of these things uh, than I am. I'm, I'm a skeptic in general. I, but I will say this. As of today. That, that's, see, that's, the, that's the, what I do. Right. As things are today. If nothing right. changed, no, it, nothing right. earth-shattering happens president wins in a landslide yeah as of today there is no democrat i see beating him no. i really don't that's conjecture here's the other thing yeah. i'll say i don't see the democrats holding the house Th- that's a harder question for me to answer because i don't know enough of the local races. i think i think that they lose the house they give might. it back i think they can't hold, get to the white house i think they're back to the way they were Four years ago. Yeah. There's certainly, given the outcome of the last election for the House, which of course is a midterm, but how um, mobilized the Democrats were, the odds are, in my mind, I don't mean this statistically, but my impression is that that pendulum will swing back towards the president, not further away from the yes, president. It will. So I think you're right on that general direction. Yeah, because, see, the president will be on the ballot. The next time. Right. And people will be looking at how's the economy doing and all of that. And it's all going to play, I believe, in the Republican way. And they're going to be sitting in a pretty gone, gone, good yeah, because seat. The, And that interpretation, which is a good one, is as follows. That breaks down as follows. That the Republicans didn't particularly show up to the midterms no. because the president was elected. They got their job done. And they didn't have the turnout. But the Democrats were so emboldened and upset by the presidential election that their turnout was remarkable. So they're not going to top remarkable, but when the president comes up for re-election, more Republicans will likely turn out. So the given and that, independence. And independence. Given that, if that's true, and we can only sort of guess that, there's some polling data on that, but we can't ultimately know it entirely. If that's true... Then that all, of course, inures to the favor of Republicans and the president. All right. Last question. I'm going to let Mueller go. Yes. 22 months from Mueller, 10 months from Comey, nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing burger, to quote oh, the gosh, Democrats. Or nothing yeah. burger. Right. With that in mind, why, I mean, other than trying to convince people there's still something there the republic the democrats are, are not going to hold your thoughts okay, on this take a break because we got to get a break yep. in let's do that here on the dave ellswick show all right back with you uh we're down to just a little how much time how much uh, how long is that to cut number one can we get it in okay let's play here's here's congresswoman to Long and proud history of participating in boycotts, specifically to advocate for human rights abroad. Americans boycotted Nazi Germany in response to dehumanization, imprisonment, and genocide of Jewish people. In the 1980s, many of us in this very body boycotted South African goods in the fight against apartheid. Our free, our right to free speech is being threatened with this resolution. It sets a dangerous precedent because it attempts to delegitimize a certain people's political speech and to send a message that our government can and will take action against speech it doesn't like. 
Madam Speaker, the Supreme Court has time and time again recognized that expressive conduct is protected by the Constitution. From burning a flag to baking a cake, efforts to restrict and target that protected speech run the risk of eroding the civil rights that form the foundation of our democracy. All Americans have the right to participate in boycotts, and I oppose all legislative efforts that target speech. Our, I urge Congress, state governments, and civil rights leaders from all communities to preserve our Constitution, preserve our Bill of Rights, all right, that's good and enough. preserve the that First was, Amendment. That, that got all of it in of- there. Number one, it ticks me off that she would put together Israelis and Nazis. Right. It's no coincidence, by the way. Yeah, I know. This I know is that. this is a, a tactic of the left to undermine the the uniqueness of the Holocaust. All right. Let's talk about it more when we come back. News is next. Hey, let me remind you, Applied Research Center of Arkansas. Their website is arcarkansas.com. A-R-C, three letters together, arkansas.com. So it's arcarkansas.com. Uh, one word. And uh, you can sign up for some of the current studies they got going on. Uh, you can find out what the qualifications are because you got to make, make, meet the qualifications to be able to get in the study. You get in the study, they're going to give you the medicine or placebo, and they're going to give you money. And the money won't be funny money. You'll get real money for taking part in the, uh, the study. For instance, uh, if you're stu- uh, they're, they're looking for endometriosis patients, uh, ages 18 to 49 years old, females, of course, and you cannot be a male and identify as a female. Uh, moderate to severe pain, diagnosis of endometriosis up to 10 years. If you meet those requirements, you could get accepted into this uh, study. Uh, they evidently have a new drug that they're uh, looking at, and uh, you're going to help them determine whether that is a marketable drug or not. ARCArkansas.com is the website. It's got all the current studies underway, all the qualifications, and then uh, where you can sign up, or you can just call them, 501-954-7822. That's Applied Research Center of Arkansas. Robert is here. We were talking about uh, Talib. She's the one from Minnesota, right? St. Paul? I I think. I think she is. She's the one... From Somalia. No, no, no. No, okay. No, no. She's Wrong the one. one. She's, uh, she's the one. American born, this but is the a one Palestinian from Michigan. Descent. Is it Michigan? Michigan. That makes more sense because Michigan is a very big uh, Arab Yeah, Dearborn. Uh, com- yeah, uh, oh, Arab huge. community. So, yeah. anyway, but the, the, uh, Omar is from Minnesota. I'm mm, sorry. Okay. Very good. Very Just good. Had to think about it for no, a while. No, it's okay. We, yeah. we got it figured out. She compared the BDS movement to. What we did is boycotting the Nazis in Germany and then, of course, apartheid apartheid in 1982 in South Africa. Neither come close to, uh, you know, Israel. Well, of course not. Neither of those things. Of course not. Look, the, the issue with Israel is that Israel was attacked. It didn't attack anybody. Israel was attacked. And then it gained land as a consequence of that attack. And what do the Arabs say? And I say Arabs, you know why? Because not only Palestinians, it's Jordanians, it's Saudi Arabians, it's Egyptians, it's everyone. Even those that have made peace treaties with Israel. Yes. They all say, well, you got to give that land to the Palestinians. Why? Why? Now, by the way, I'm not opposed to it. 
I'm just saying, there's, there's nothing incumbent about it. You want to make a deal? We can make a deal. There is a famous Shakespearean quote, to the winners go to spoils. Exactly. That's and exactly what happened. Here. Here's really what's the history is interesting. In 1947, the UN divided up a piece of land that was controlled for years and years by England called Palestine, divided it up into two separate countries. One called Israel, where the Jews were to go, by the way, and that population had about a third, I think that's right, Arab. They would stay there. Then another country <clears throat> called Palestine. No Jews, by the way. Uh, and the, the Israelis, the Jews, said, thanks. Good deal. And you know what? What did the Palestinians say? Yeah. They and no every, dice. No dice. They and every Arab country around there said no dice, and they all attacked Israel. At the end of the war, Israel had roughly the amount of land that it started with. It wasn't in 48 that it gained land. No, it's 67. 67. Right? But here's the interesting thing. So where'd the rest of the land go? You say, oh, well, the, the Palestine had it before, they had it after. Uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> on one side, Jordan swallowed it up, and on the other side, Egypt swallowed it up. Wait, you're, you're assisting the Palestinians to take over Israel, and when you sort of get a stalemate, then you take their land? Yeah, when you, when you stand to lose what you might have gained. Right. Now... Let's change the rules. Let's change the rules. So in in 48, after the war, by the way, which my father fought in, uh, the uh, Jordan takes the West Bank, what's known as the West Bank. It's If you look on a map, the right side of Israel, basically. Jordan takes it. 67, again. This is Egypt now. It no, went after is, 67, right? No, the, all the countries. Jordan, oh, okay. Egypt. Yeah. Right. So in 67, Israel retakes the West Bank from Jordan. Okay. Well, there are a bunch of Arabs living there. Now they're living under Israeli control. That's right. They're like, oh my God, it's a horror. It's a horror. It's a horror. That was your land, but you decided to try to invade Israel. Guess what? You lost. Mm-hmm. You lost. Now, like I said, and some people, as knowing me to be as hawkish as I am, might be bes- might be surprised. I say, I got no problem trading that land for peace. I really don't. I really don't. You know, the only problem with it, you won't have peace. That, that's the problem. Until the second part of the deal can come through, there ain't no deal. Yeah. Until Jesus steps on the Mount of Olives again, ain't yeah. going to be no peace. I'm I've been on the you. Mount of Olives. And here's the thing. People like Talib. you know what their view is? Well, just give it, give it to the Palestinians. Wait, what? Wait, what? Sorry, it don't work that way. Yeah, and and the whole thing of how badly the Israelis have treated the Palestinians is just a bunch of hokum. I'm just telling you. Of course, you know, I, I know that to be the case. I mean, I, I I know I, I love listening to them talk about this, and they don't talk about how they that uh, over there they've voted in Hezbollah. Yeah, that's in in Gaza. That's yeah, right. to, exactly. to lead. Exactly. Everything. And that when Yasser Arafat was there, he did nothing for their people. Nothing. Of course, the famous line about Yasser Arafat, the former head of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, is he never missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity. (laughs) That guy couldn't make a deal with himself. Did you see the places that he lived in? People are living in. They're all living in abject uh, poverty. 
And, and the leaders are loaded because Lord. they get money from all over the world, all the Arab countries, plus others, including the United States many times. And where does that money typically go? Into the pockets of, of the, the corrupt yes. yeah, of the corrupt leaders of the Palestinian organizations. And that's everywhere in the world, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's true. That's not, it go to Rhodesia or any right, of the it's other not places. Unique. It's, it is not unique to the Palestinians. That not is called correct. Rhodesia anymore. I'm just... You know, Mugabe was a perfect example of that. We sent tons and tons and tons of food to feed his people. And what did he do? He put it in barns. And the only way you could get the food was to pledge solidarity to him. Of course. What a great leverage. He wouldn't feed his people. And then, you know, I don't understand. Omar comes from Somalia. We sent people over to feed her people. Now, when I say her people, I'm talking about her particular tribe of people. And this is how she returns that favor of our dead servicemen who were drugged through the uh, streets in Mogadishu by a warlord that was killing her people. Well, you saw the tape. It's really it's really frightening where she's talking to this interviewer. And she says, I took a class in college on terrorism. By the way, nobody's mentioned the following. The interlocutor, the questioner, says to her, was there a lab? Is there a field trip? <laughs> That's good. He says it. Let me, let me be clear what he's saying. Basically he's saying, do they teach you how to perform terrorism? Mm-hmm. Now, maybe he was joking, but it wasn't a great maybe joke. Maybe not. Well, it wasn't a great joke. Okay, let me explain. Yeah. All right. I went... When I was in the military, one of the classes I took were the international dynamics of international terrorism. Right. And they brought us together uh, in Florida to study under a lot of different countries about terrorism. Part of, the, of what they taught us was how to kill terrorists. All right. I'm being honest with you. That's what they sure. taught us. And uh, my favorite story is we had the guy there, that uh, Gideon Sword, uh, from the Mossad. And there was a captain there, and he was asking the captain about uh, terrorism in Israeli. And, and basically, the captain said, the only good terrorist is a dead terrorist. And this captain says, but you're just going to have more terrorists. And he, sa- <laughs> he said, they're like rats. You go in, and you kill them. And he says, what about the other ones? He says, you kill them, too. Yeah, look, it, and, and I don't want to be crass about it. But when people say, well, if you kill terrorists, you breed more terrorists, you know what that means? You're not killing them quick enough. I'm not talking about killing innocent people, but terrorists, kill them all. Yeah, I'm with you. Wholeheartedly with you. Terrorists? This lady. International terrorists? You know, the worst part about this, Robert, is that there was a time in America, our media would start digging into what she's saying. Yeah. And doing and giving the background, the scope. Yeah. They used to call it on CBS, used to call it a white paper. Yeah, exactly. You remember those? I do remember. Okay. They don't do those anymore. Oh, yeah. I didn't even finish my story in this. Yeah. In the, Go ahead. Right. So she's in this interview and she starts describing how the professor of her class would say, oh, the U.S. Army, uh, the U.S. military. And then he would sort of say, Al-Qaeda. Now, I'm exaggerating for effect, but the point was that she would say uh, that the professor apparently said al-Qaeda in this kind of aggressive fashion, and he didn't refer to the U.S. military that way. Yeah, 
Because al-Qaeda is a bunch of murderous terrorists. Yeah, murdering bastards. That's right. what they are. That's right. And every one of them should be captured or killed. Yeah. And by the way, I've got no preference. Mm-hmm. And she was literally posturing that you should talk about them in exactly the same way. Uh, no. I know the devil when I see it. And that's al-Qaeda. Yeah. So she's... So it's just reflective of really kind of a perverse interpretation of good versus evil. Well, we talk about them all. No, we don't. No, we don't. Yeah, there is no equality between our military men and women and Al-Qaeda. Of course. Or ISIS. These people kill wantonly innocents. Exactly. I mean, as far as children or anybody. We do not. Exactly. If we can keep from it. Is there collateral damage? Of course there is. And by the way, I'll say something even more. Is there from time to time someone in the military who does something bad? Yeah. 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 Typically, they get arrested, by the way. Yep. But yeah, that's right. But, you know, that's sort of like the point that we've talked about before, which is, is there racism in this country or anywhere else? Well, of course there is. Is this a racist country? Gosh, no. And that and that article that we read by Charles Blow where he was saying racism is everywhere. It's in the air. You can't breathe in. What? Yeah, we're suffocating up here. Nonsense. No. Oh, well, you can't understand because of your white. Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Don't tell me what I can understand. Well, here's the key. If I can't understand him. then How can he understand me? Well, if I can't understand him, why are you telling me that? (laughs) Go tell it to somebody else who can understand it. By the way, and and I don't like to toot my own horn, Dave. I really don't. But my three Ivy League degrees might make me, just might make me barely competent enough to understand the dribble that's coming out of his mouth. (laughs) Got to get a break in, Sonny. I I love having him on. Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Their number, 9827451. You don't need a, a, a rebuilt engine. You don't need an OEM engine. You don't need to go out and buy a new car, fix the car that you got. Use a maintained total loss vehicle. Look, a total loss vehicle just means it was in a crash and it had a lot of body damage and things of that nature, and you can't drive it anymore because of that. Doesn't mean that the engine doesn't work right. Doesn't mean transmission doesn't work right. Doesn't mean that you can't take the engine or the transmission and you know, do a, a you know a, a operation and put that engine in your car. I know for a fact you can. I got two of those engines and two of my different cars that I've got, and I've got a, a transmission in as well. They all came uh, guaranteed and the standard warranty, one, two, or three years. And man, I'm living it up now. I'm loving it. Nine eight two seven four five one. You call RD and his uh, professionals at Sunny's Auto Salvage. Hey, I got to tell you, I came across this article and uh, in the Federalist. I don't know if you read the Federalist or not. It's a really, really top-rated magazine. You know, holds its place on the Internet. It's a place for conservative thought. And you got this new article. It says the three common arguments for overlooking illegal immigration that don't hold water. Americans don't like our immigration laws. The answer is not encouraging foreign citizens to completely disregard them. The answer is respecting the law until it can be changed. The alternative is anarchy. And then right under that, it says, by Robert Steinberg. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? 
Congratulations, yes. well, thank dude. You. Thank you very much. I mean, seriously, yeah, congratulations. That big, that's yeah. a big, big article there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm very pleased with it. You know, the Federalists, they're, they're the ones, in all seriousness, that, that help the president appoint judges, right? Yeah. They, they make these recommendations. They gave him that list. Right. That's right. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the, the arguments uh, out today about, uh, by the left, on immigration law are just nonsense. They're just sheer nonsense. So, yeah, I re- thank you for bringing that up, Dave. That's very kind of you. Of course, you didn't just stumble on it. I made a point of sending it to you. <laughs> uh, but that notwithstanding, for your audience, if you would like to read it, of course, it's just go to thefederalist.com. And mm-hmm. it's, you scroll down. I mean, it's one of the t- top articles today in terms of order of publication. Nothing more than that, I'm saying. But take a look. It's uh, all about these really weak arguments that the leftists are making. One of the arguments I'll, I'll discuss with you, Dave, Go is, is the left says, well, you know, these people, they pay taxes. So we're actually making money on them. First, no. Well, no. Here, hey, let me say something. Most drug dealers... Pay taxes. Does that mean they shouldn't go to jail? That's a good point. But the broad, a related point, perhaps, is a good portion of illegal aliens work under the, under the table, right? So there's no taxation paid. For those that are paying taxes, of course, they're doing it by having illegal social security numbers. Put that aside for a moment. You think some guy that's made – what do you think the average illegal alien working here is making a year? I have no 30 idea. Thirty grand, I maybe. Mean, that, I, that would be generous, right? So if he's paying taxes, he's certainly not paying income taxes. Those are because he's going to take enough elect, elections to avoid that. So he'll pay FICA six percent. That's eighteen hundred dollars. Now that guy likely has a family, so that's four people. You think the cost for the kids to go to school? You think one one emergency visit? You know how much one emergency visit costs? You walk in the door. That's eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars. That's just walking in the door. The cost of the tests, the cost of the emergency room doctor, the cost of the specialist. Say you sprained your ankle of the of the uh, orthopedist to come down. You add all that nine thousand dollars, Dave. Nine. You think some guy who's here illegally is paying? $9,000 in taxes a year? That's just for one visit for a family uh, but of four. Robert, surely he pays sales tax? Yeah, sales tax. Right. Yeah, exactly. So 10% of what he spends. Of course, let's assume he spends all his money. We started with thirty grand. We said he pays FICA. That's six grand off of that. So what's he paying in sales tax? Sales tax is Little Rock. By the way, we just read that Arkansas has one of the highest sales taxes. Tied. Which is, which is Tennessee. just Yeah, it's just a crime. It's a crime. 9.4%. Yeah, so let's round it up to 10%. So what's 10%? 20 $2,400. So $2,400 plus six grand, you're at $8,400. That still is less than one visit to the ER for a sprained ankle. Doesn't cost, doesn't take into account the cost of the roads that he uses, doesn't take into account the cost of the school that the kids go to. None of that. And you're telling me that what we get in taxes outweighs what he's taking? Nonsense. Well, I, I'll, I'll make this argument. That's new math. I think a lot. <laughs> it definitely is. I can tell you that a drug dealer pays more taxes than that. Yeah, yeah. And All he's right. going to jail. Absolutely. All right. Take a break. You going to drop by tomorrow? 
I'll try. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have you come by. We'll okay. Talk about your article. Okay. It's, by the way, it's already been posted on my Facebook page. Awesome. Catch it there. Catch me again tomorrow, 2 o'clock, right here. Dave Ellswick Show.